Hello, welcome to Alt Shrift X and Globar talking <laughs> about the Dragon Show. If an Alt Swift X crossfig happens, is it like Alt Swift X X Gladys? It's confusing grammatically. Alt, so that's... Alt Swift X X Xmas. <laughs> uh, Should release a rap album about um, horny Christmas songs. We've been disinvited from Christmas dinner. <laughs> Christmas is cancelled. Good work. <laughs> Grinchus. Um. We're going to talk about theories about the dragon show, Call everybody. The Glinch. the Glinch. Yeah, that's better. Me and the Glinch <laughs> are going to rank Hot D theories. And uh, we've got some hot theories from the internet. And you can say theories in, in the live chat. And we're going to tell you which theories are good and which theories are bad. Um, if we don't get around to reading your theory, just assume that it's bad. <laughs> Yeah, that's probably right. Yeah. Look, I'll, I'll be honest. There's a lot more bad theories than good theories. That kind of reminds me of all theories. Yeah. Yeah. But we've sorted some wheat from the chaff and we've got some solid S tier gold to discuss today. Maybe. Maybe. Which one would you like to discuss first? Let's um, top left down. Why not? Aegon the first shenanigans. Who, who is Aegon the First? I thought that his surname was Targaryen, not Shenanigans. Oh, well, that was his middle name, I think. Aegon Shenanigans Targaryen was the conqueror who conquered the things that needed to be conquered. I mean, mm. I guess they didn't need to, but he, he sure went and did that. Yeah, he, he seemed to feel the need. Um, and... Hot D would have you believe that the reason why Aegon murdered all those people and made himself the emperor of a continent was because he really cared about helping people. Um, he was actually mainly motivated by the environment. Climate yeah. issues. Um, paper straws. Um, yeah. Don't use those ring pools on, on, on beer cans. Yeah, and, banning um, one-use pl and plastics. And conquering a continent with dragons. Yeah, yeah. What a guy. He must be great. Um, but Hot D says that he did it because the white, he, he had a dream about White Walkers. And he was so spooked by his dream that he decided he had to unite the continent to defend against the White Walkers. Is that the truth or is that just what you would say if you wanted to be king? I feel like it'd be a pretty good PR campaign. Although, yeah. although, it's not actually a PR campaign because... According to the show, he only told his son, Anis. Yeah. It's not actually a propaganda thing. It's just like, hey, kid, um, here's why it's important that we remain in charge. Yeah. You know, well, yeah, that's actually a really strong argument. Like, it, like if it's a purely self-serving thing, they would have told more people than just mm. the Targaryens and, and their heirs. There's an argument to be made that he did tell Torrhen Stark. Um, yeah. It's not entirely relevant, though, because it's like the difference between telling two people and telling the entire world. I would love to know why he felt the need to keep the prophecy secret. Um, My gut reaction is, like, um, people would try to take advantage you know, use it as leverage in some way, but that's not very... 
uh, there's not too much going on there. I think um, I think the whole concept that like you'd think that fortifying the wall. I mean, there's a whole thing about like Jaehaerys's wife, Queen Alysanne, was keen on giving the Night's Watch more land, the new gift. Yeah. Um. So, but like, is that really going to help stop the White Walkers? Probably not. The Night's Watch just has some more livestock cool. in that land. Or what? Is, it's land where that like there's. Are there, like, villages in the New Gift that are paying taxes to the Night's Watch? Is that the situation? I th- well, the Northmen were upset about it, so you'd have to think that there was some value to that land. Yeah, it's never very specific about what they do with the land. Um, there's one reading of the text that has it that, like, Alisane was less interested in giving land to the Night's Watch and more interested in taking that land from the North for, you know... Uh, tinfoil reasons that because she was angry about the right to first night yeah and um that they may have been giving their bastards to the white walkers right yeah the little night fort situation you know the one we've all been there number one tourist attraction north of winterfell (laughs) yeah because that that is a a thing that i actually think is very convincing the idea that um, the castle of the Night Fort was created for the purpose of giving babies to the White Walkers so the White Walkers can reproduce. I mean, th- there's a gate underground with a weirwood mouth. Yeah. It's like, what else could you interpret that as other than being devoured by a god? And the Night Fort is where the Night's King arose and was said to, quote, like, make dark sacrifices to the others. And he married what appeared to be a white. So, like, so, yeah, I, yeah, I think that's actually quite a good theory that Queen Alysanne, the wife of King Jaehaerys, when she visited the wall, she found out about White Walker sacrifice at the Night Fort and did a bunch of things that kind of were a reaction to that. <laughs> yeah, and then dot, 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 George hasn't written this part yet. <laughs> yeah, it does feel like that sort of thing is going to be pertinent to, you know, grander things in the series. Um, in terms of Aegon shenanigans in, you know, making the whole thing up, mm. I think that's kind of ridiculous because, I mean, he's it'd be so crazy to make that up and then be right about it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, what are the fucking odds? <laughs> yeah, so, so, so the theory we're contemplating here is that Aegon the First completely made up the whole idea of a White Walker prophecy and the Azor High Prince that was promised prophecy is all made up by Aegon. As, like, an excuse to conquer... As an excuse to conquer the continent, yeah. I mean, I mean, the, the trouble is that, you know, we know that Rhaegar had dreams... And, and Aemon had dreams. And Daeron yep. had... Possibly. I mean, D- Daenerys has visions and dreams. Yep. Melisandre has visions. So, I think it's more... When you factor in the trend of Targaryens doing prophet, doing prophetic dreams, I think it's more easy... Easier, some would say, to <laughs> buy into that it actually was a prophetic dream of Aegon's. Yeah. Yeah, I think given what we know about Targaryens, it makes perfect sense that Aegon would have had a dream. I, I guess what is more plausible is that he made up the bit about Targaryens being the prophesied one specifically. And that ties into the ending of Game of Thrones season eight, right? Because I in, haven't seen it. Yeah, I I I skipped that one. Um 
I wish I skipped that one because it is Arya Stark who, who has fulfills zero the prophecy, Targaryen blood, who is maybe knowledge. the only character in this entire series who is not theorized to secretly be a Targaryen. Well, hang on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do a theory. Uh oh. No, I mean, well, there's if, a very if- slim chance that they have a drop of Targaryen blood. That I won't get into why. <laughs> yeah, well, we might get to that. We may get to that later. But, but I mean, there's also the theory that if Mance Raider is Rhaegar... Oh, my that's God. A if Mance is Rhaegar, and when Mance came down to the feast at Winterfell, which is canon, Mance, who is Rhaegar, went to Winterfell. And at that feast, if he hooked up with Catelyn, uh, uh, then Arya could be hang on, hang on. Rhaegar Raider's daughter. Wh- which... Which feast are we talking about? The feast where Mance famously visited Winterfell. The one at the start of A Game of Thrones when Arya is already, like, ten years old. Well, no, obviously, seven, it's she? a time-travelling feast. How fetus. old is Arya? She's older than Bran, isn't she? No, she's ten, yeah. Um, Try not to think about that during the Winds of Winter sample chapter. Yeah, okay. Um, well, all right, I admit it. Arya is not a... <laughs> Arya is not a Targaryen. And therefore... Why all this business about it, about the Targaryens being the center of the prophecy, that is Bubkus. So maybe Aegon did make up the part. I, well, I mean, or maybe Benioff and Weiss made it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem. The canon gets so twisted because we're mixing like three separate things. The books, which are different to the Game of Thrones show, which is different to the House of the Dragon show. And House of the Dragon does base it off George's law. Like, like there is George law in Hot D that is not in George's yeah, books. This prophecy didn't even exist in Game of Thrones. But yeah, I mean, and that's what I almost hate is that, like, the, the, there's George law that is not in books, but is in shows that contradict books. Because George hasn't written books yet. There is no one unifying George law. We need a... Yeah, okay. Um, but what actually makes sense... If we're actually being sensible here, like as we saw in Hot D, Viserys had the dream about his son being the king and he assumed that it was his son with Emma, but that never, that never happened. But in the end, it was his son with Alicent who became the king slash his daughter who became queen. So like Targaryens have true prophecies and true visions, but mistakenly assume that they and their family are at the center of it. that's true of every other prophetic thing in the entire series. Melisandre, in her chapter in The Dance with Dragons, is like, I don't fucking know what any of this means. (laughs) Yeah, and and George, in his more lucid moments, has said, I don't know what the fuck any of this means. Yeah, when he speaks to us as Marwyn the Mage in The Feast of Crows, he says, nah, prophecy is just kind of bubkus, isn't it? Yeah. The the best fourth wall break in A Song of Ice and Fire is when um, Peter Baelish, in book four says, oh, I had hoped to have a few more years to plant a few more seeds and water things, but things are moving faster than I anticipated. And Littlefinger says that after George had intended to do a five-year gap between books three and four, but then he changed his mind. So, the whole timeline of the story that George planned, quote-unquote, got thrown out the window, and Littlefinger, like, acknowledges that. That is pretty cute. That's great. So, where would you put this idea of Aegon making shit up about himself... As an excuse to conquer the world. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess now that we've talked through it, it doesn't work as an excuse when he only tells his yeah. firstborn. <laughs> <laughs> um, because I, I feel like of all the people who are going to question his motives, Aenys isn't foremost among them. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anis is the last person you need to justify anything yeah. to. He is not a strong-willed but individual. Dad, why are we in charge of the world? <laughs> I, I, I love Anis's. Like Anis being clueless is like his whole thing. Absolutely. Like he didn't anticipate that the faith wouldn't like his incestuous situation. Blah blah. So, I yeah, I don't think Aegon made up anything. I think it, it's an interesting uh, talking point, though. So I wouldn't put it as low as we possibly could. <clears throat> I, 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 yeah, I think Aegon, like, misinterpreting the prophecy... Yeah, and you could call that making it up. If you... Yeah. Just kind of don't give a shit about what words mean. <laughs> there is another Aegon theory I'd like to discuss. Oh, yeah? Which is, um... Aegon 1... Uh, oh. Has no biological children. Right. And you say this because... He famously didn't hang out with Visenya much. He had two wives, obviously, and he was desperately in love with Rhaenys, it is said. Yeah. Um, but she was good mates with a lot of singers, too. That's yes. good art. It is good art by Ramsay Furhart. I like the dragon in the background. This is now the uh, Glimbus and Schwifto Art Appreciation Hour. Oh, we could rank art. No, we wouldn't rank it. We would just sit here and talk about what we like about it. Yeah, it would be like that Twitter account, We Rate Dogs, where every dog gets 11 <laughs> out of 10. Like, what are we going to do? Oh, this art that someone put hours into oh, is, is bad. Oh. I like the scale armor a lot. That's cool. Yeah. The braids in Visenya's hair. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, yeah, that is basically the theory. Because, like, Aegon was a dude who was very focused on his duty and his motives and his relationships are all a bit mysterious. He had, like, no friends apart from, like, Oris yeah. Baratheon, apparently. Um, he doesn't sound like a, a guy who fucks, um, <laughs> it, to put it bluntly. I mean, like, he, he's not a party guy. Like, and it says that he's, like, it's said that he was, like, not interested in the charms of women apart from his sisters and Rainies specifically. Mm. But here's the thing. Um, it took, like, years to have a child. Yeah. With any of them. Like, he only had Aenys, like, six or seven years after he conquering Westeros. He died at the Westeros. age of 64 or something like that. Yeah. And he married them when he was, like, in his teenage years. Yeah. And he had two children. That's crazy. Especially if you're a feudal lord. Compare that to Jaehaerys. <laughs> who- now that guy fucks. <laughs> He had, like, 12 kids. Yeah. Um, and, and, like, a lot a lot of Targaryen kings didn't have many children, but a lot of Targaryen kings didn't live very long. So, yeah, considering how long Aegon was married to two women, the fact that he only had two children. And, like, you know, Maegor was a weird fucking monster mm. um, who might have been the result of sorcery. Um, and Rhaenys had, yeah, all these, like, handsome singer friends. And it sort of is implied in the books that, you know, maybe... It's a possibility that she slept with some of those singers and stuff. Um, You know, like, in a similar way to Rhaenyra. Like, Rhaenyra in Hot D needs to produce an heir, so she has sex with Harwin Strong instead of Laenor, who's incapable of uh, getting her pregnant. So maybe it was a similar situation with Aegon. And the reason I like this theory is, like, the irony of the man who started the dynasty, the man who conquered the continent... Could not produce children of his seed. There's all this talk of legacy and blood and it got... Uh, messed with like immediately. Yeah, and because like I, I think that one of the underlying messages that A Song of Ice and Fire sort of flirts with is that it's dumb and bad that 
everyone puts so much stock in bloodlines. It is very brave of George to speak out against the mechanics of feudalism <laughs> in the 1990s. Too soon, right? Yeah. Too soon. Let it breathe, George. Yeah. So, I-, I think that the moral of the story can't be, wow, these Targaryens sure are great and important and should be in charge by virtue of their blood. Um so wouldn't it be great if the guy whose bloodline everyone is so proud of uh, was not actually the father of his children? The thing I like about this theory and a lot of other theories is that there's absolutely no way it'll ever get confirmed or denied. <laughs> well, until the Aegon the Conqueror HBO Max original uh, five season epic begins, no. <laughs> co-written by George R. R. Martin. <laughs> no. <laughs> You, you, you saw they were talking about the snow show. Um, the what? The snow show. Never heard of it. Uh, the, um... Oh, could they see the art we were talking about? Oh, I... <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> All right. We'll correct that for next time. Everyone thought that we were, like, doing a bit talking about art that no one could see. Oh, that's funny. Um, yeah, this is the art we were talking about. That's good. We made oh, we could have made up anything. We could have been describing anything. <laughs> All right, now we know. <laughs> uh, wh- wh- how would you rank that theory that Aegon has no biological? I'd put children? it in, in B. B at most, because like this, this is it's very vibes based. It is extremely vibes based. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm happy with B. Cool. What were you going to say about the snow show? The 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 snow. The, the, the snow. Sh- um, I well, yeah, they were to- apparently Kit Harrington was talking about. No, it. he wasn't. I I don't think Kit Harrington should be allowed to to speak about television, but but they, but the madman let him, and he. I was- don't think he said anything at the panel. I think that everything you've seen about him saying stuff on the panel about the snow show, the yes. snow no no, the the snow no 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 no, um, <laughs> wasn't was was unsubstantiated and just there to grab your attention, and there's yes. actually nothing to it. Yes. Uh, yes, yes. There is a lot of clickbait and outright lying uh, on the internet at the moment. Um, but I did see that John said some things about how, like, at the end of Game of Thrones season eight, John is right. in this mindset of, you know, blah, blah, being sad and not being okay with stuff. And, you know, that does correlate with, you know, George Martin said that the snow show is a thing that is in development and that Kit Harrington is behind it. So that it does, we do have some more insight now into the yeah. snow show that we didn't have before. It's all very concerning. I'm very concerned. I was concerned about House of the Dragon though. So yeah, don't put too much stock in my concern. Yeah. That, that is exactly my theory. My feeling like I, like I thought hot D would probably be mediocre um, but it's actually really good. So I hope that the Jon Snow show will also be great. Yep. Would you like to talk about a, a hot day theory I'd since we did to. like, since this is a hot day stream. Apparently. That is what you titled it. That is, that is true. Um, I'd love to talk about Bath and Jaharis if we're happy to just dwell in history for a little bit while more people roll in. Yeah. We're in the history corner at the moment. We're going to talk about some fire and blood history stuff. Um, then we're going to move on to Hot Day. I really like this idea that Bath and Jaehaerys made up the prophecy. I think it's way more coherent than Aegon making it up. Yeah. Because there actually is no proof that Aegon made it up. Viserys just says that he did. Um, <clears throat> and that he carved it into a kitchen knife 
<laughs> showed that to Rhaenyra. It's like, ah, your great-great-grandpappy wrote this down on a knife. And, and the fact that it's it, he wrote it down on a knife and it's only visible when you put the knife in fire... Which, which, which is like- That's some Harry Potter shit right there. <laughs> yeah, that's some I am Tom Marvolo riddle type shit. Yeah. Um, I, it, it shows a, a, de- a desire for secrecy that I, still makes no sense to me. Mm. But if it's like- So, Jaehaerys grew up in a time when the, the question of succession was the cause of war. Yeah. Right? So, I think it makes sense for him- to invent a secret that would more readily bind the family together. Yeah, Jaehaerys was the conciliator. He was the unifier. The whole challenge of his realm was to hold the Seven Kingdoms together and create a bit of stability after the bloodbath of Aenys, Maegor, etc. Um, and one way to do that would be to make up this idea of, oh, Aegon had a dream and a prophecy and we need to fight the White Walkers, so you all need to support my claim and my <laughs> children's claim because I am so special and important. Yeah. Um, and Bath was a nerd who Jaehaerys was mates with and he made him Hand of the King and Bath was really clever and knew all these things about magic. So maybe, like, Bath read some old Valyrian scrolls um, and adapted them into this idea of the prince that was promised is a Targaryen and blah, blah. Because obviously the prophecy has some basis in fact, as we said, because yeah. the White Walkers are real. Just maybe the idea that Jaehaerys' line and the Targaryen line is what's important was made up, maybe. I think that's a cool idea. That's a cool and fun idea that um, hangs out with interesting people. Would you say it hangs out with... Um, Aegon has no biological children. I'd in say it BQ? hangs out with people slightly cooler than that. Do you think that's an A-tier theory? Uh, I mean, like, in terms of being true, no. <laughs> but in terms <laughs> of being cool, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's cool because Jaehaerys and Bath are both seen on the surface as, like, very virtuous characters. Like, Bath seems like a pretty unambiguously, like, cool dude. Yeah. But he's also a dude who has, like, secrets, right? Because, like, the, you know, Bath was the one who had Arya Targaryen die on his table. Oh, I don't know if you can pin that on him. Well, no, but my point is that, like, Bath, after that incident with Arya Targaryen, there was this girl in Fire and Blood, Targaryen girl, she rode a dragon to Valyria and then came back and she was full of fireworms and it was a whole... Um, it, it was kind of a bad day for all involved, frankly. <laughs> and Bath was so horrified by what he saw that he, like, never spoke of it again, right? Yeah, true. Which is a pretty uh, convenient way of covering stuff up if you had stuff to cover up. Like, what are they hiding, bro? Like, why? what are you trying to... Why don't you want people to know that Valyria is a, a festering nightmare zone full of mutant dragon worms, like... The charitable interpretation would be that he doesn't want people to be interested and go check it out. Well, how many people do you think would hear, oh, there's a wasteland full of evil worms that might eat me from the inside out. I want to go there. Oh, a uh, few. <laughs> people do travel to, you know, like Ohio. And even though everything <laughs> about that is well publicized. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Chernobyl. You said a hike. I guess people do go to Chernobyl, don't they? At least Chernobyl has it's got a lot of nature. Yeah, because it's been abandoned by humans for 40 years. Yeah. 
So, so Bath is willing to hide and manipulate the historical record for the sake of Targaryen optics. Which is exactly what this making up of the prophecy would be. Yeah, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, like, I, I just think that like, p- part of the theme of the sto- story of Jaehaerys is that like, oh, Jaehaerys is such a cool guy. He's the conciliator. What uh-huh. a great dude. But then the more you read, you're like, uh-huh. wow, he was really terrible to his daughters and his wife. Uh, be careful where you say that. Uh, I, I, am I going to bring up the word misogyny on, a, on the internet? <laughs> Jaehaerys was just, like, not great, the more you learn about him. And And most of the cool things he did were his wife's idea. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, his wife was the one who had the smart ideas. Everyone's like, oh, but the roads. He built roads, though. (laughs) What a fucking genius. (laughs) Oh, my God, wow. (laughs) How many of those bricks did he put down, huh? What he did was he told someone to build roads. That's what he did. And like, yeah, it's a good thing that he went and did that and that uh, it, it was in the purpose of connecting the realm how, how the hell mm. had Westeros gone 8,000 years of feudalism and no one had built a road from Casterly Rock, well, Lannisport, to, let's say, Highgarden? How the hell? Did none of those kings over the thousands, with a T, thousands of years, never thought it would be good if we could trade between the thriving cities of Lannisport and Old Town? Wouldn't it be great if we could trade? Not... Chowsons? Chowsons? No, not Chowsons, not trillions, not thousands thousands of years. I I guess you can get from Lannisport to the Arbor and Old Town by ship, and that's probably the best way to do that. But, you know, going from, I don't know, let's say River Run to anywhere. Yeah. Or, well, Harrenhal didn't exist. (laughs) And if it did, would you want to go there? I wouldn't. I, I mean, you know, to, I mean, in fairness, like they say there there were roads, they just sucked. Yeah. Until Jaehaerys built the good roads. But yeah, like, I mean, given the theme that Jaehaerys seems great, but the more you read, the more he was maybe not great. Maybe making up the Targaryen prophecy as a sort of cynical real politic move. It makes some sense. I think it does. Would you like to read some super chats? It's my favorite thing to do. Thanks for the super chat from Stannis McNuff, who says, Tywin's last thoughts went out to Tyrek. God damn it. His last words were, wherever horse <laughs> I feel like my legacy has been cast, you know? Yeah. There's nothing I can do now. Yeah, Glytus, you, you started this everyone is a horse Situation. It's like the grayscale epidemic that everyone expects Shireen's corpse to, you know, unload on Westeros. Like, I have poisoned the land. You've poisoned the the well with horses. All I wanted to do was make some people laugh in a video. And now you you go on to www.reddit.org and Mm. look at A Song of Ice and Fire stuff. And it's all just people being horses. And I'm not sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Because the video is fire, but <laughs> but I, I, it weighs on my conscience still. Wait, what's the video called for people who want to look it up? It's called FAKE A SONG OF ICE AND FIRE THEORIES. <laughs> it's in all caps, you see. <laughs> it wouldn't be a Gladys live stream if you didn't shout <laughs> randomly <laughs> at some point. Hey, I turned away from the microphone slightly. J- j- just to um, explain the joke... Um, Tywin's Tywin's words to Tyrion before Tyrion kills Tywin in Game of Thrones is, 
you know, where did Taisha go? Tyrion's first wife, Taisha, where did Taisha go? And Tywin replies, wherever whores go. And Stannis McNuff has decided to change wherever whores go to wherever horse go. Wherever whores go. It's pretty good. It's a horse joke. (laughs) Horse humor. (laughs) I always love a bit of horse humor, don't you? Yeah. Bit of horsing around. All right. Um, (laughs) Thanks for the super chat from Saverna, who says, New theory, A Song of Ice and Fire is made up to keep the line of Targ Kings in line. Isn't that basically what we just talked about? We've been talking about that for half an hour. But thank you for telling us. Thank you for the super chat from Smithy, who says, How do you guys feel about show Laris? I feel he's been a little bit more of a mustache twirler than I was expecting. I don't know if he's specifically twirled any one mustache. Yeah, I mean, he... They've tried to play him, like, subtle, but, like, he also does come across in the later episodes as um, cartoonishly evil. Like, giving... Like, I, I think I agree. Like, like the part when Laris literally gave a speech about how love is for suckers and 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 patricide is for cool dudes when he gave that particular speech yeah it was a bit over the top uh yes i don't think it's like uh wrongfully over the top though or anything like that um he's definitely more like he has more screen time than he did in the book Right? Yeah. They had to do something. Did they have to do this? Probably not. I, I think the reason why overall it works is because he has such a clear, like, psychological situation going on. Like, at the Game of Thrones convention, Laris's actor, Matthew, Matthew Needham, Needham, he needs the ham. And he said that, like, Laris, Laris, you know, looking at Alison's feet and stuff was less of a sexual fetish and more of a... Uh, power thing and making her uncomfortable thing. And, and like, Needham also talked about Laris, Laris being, like, bullied for his disability as a youth, and so now he sort of wants to punish the world for it, was sort of what he was saying. Um, which they don't tell you at all in the show, but, like, I think we... That yeah. was our guess of what was going on, you Basically know? like they called it last time. Yeah, like, that's sort of the vibe you get, that for whatever reason, this is someone who feels hurt, and so he has learned to manipulate people and screw people, which I think is a Littlefinger thing. I think that's what Littlefinger is in, in the yeah. books. And he also is, like, over-the-top cartoonishly evil at points. Chaos is a ladder. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's a bit more subtle in the books. Um He's, well, he comes off in the books as, like, a genuinely friendly dude. He's, like, invaluable to politicians in King's Landing. And that's his entire shtick. And then, like, we know, the we, the audience, know what he's up to in terms of, like, all the terrible things he does in betraying Ned and so on. And But then, like, the more you get to know him oh, through Sansa, it's like you really see how deep the fucked up machinations of his mind go yeah which you know is why these books are great because it's um you really do have to dig and the more sort of layers you peel back the more fucked up you realize little finger is uh, whereas in the show they're just like they, they just like dialed it up and made it really obvious whereas and also in, way simpler yeah yeah god i dislike that show thanks for the super chat from austin uh, who says, George R. R. Martin says he has 500 pages left to write. <laughs> Is it time for all of us to give up? 
I mean, if you've made it this long without... Here's what I think. If you've made it this far without giving up, why bother now? Just keep going. You're fine. (laughs) But to all the people who have already given up, yeah. Yeah, I I think everyone who has made the decision to stop waiting for wins has made the right decision. But if you are still on the wins train after 11 and a half years, I don't think there's any getting off the train at this point. The sunken cost fallacy. That's right. And I mean, Glidus here is sworn to uh, eat the the winds of winter when it comes out. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's no getting out of that for him. I either. want him to write a thousand more pages. I'm hungry. Yeah, and and that that, that is true. George R. R. Martin did recently say that he has 500 pages, but I think that's manuscript pages, not novel pages, yeah. right? Yeah. So um, what what he said earlier in his blog was that he's about three quarters done through winds. So, we've only got three more years to wait. He also said that 2020, 2020 I think, was his most productive year on wins mm-hmm. ever. Um, so, I don't know. If we connect all those dots, I, at the risk of repeating what I've said for the last five years straight, <laughs> it, it sounds like, based on what George has said, it may be out in the next few years. Like, it'll probably be out in the next few years, is the impression that I get. I, I think he's kind of taken the ethos of um, not committing to deadlines anymore, which you I, I, I believe is commendable. Um, well, yeah, if you take... <laughs> you would. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> um, if you, like, look at blog posts from years ago, he, like, he's giving dates, you know? He's saying, if For I don't show up to WorldCon at New oh, Zealand... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Without, uh, with a copy of the book, you can imprison me above a lake of acid or whatever. Whereas now he's like, ah, I've got, you know, three quarters or so, whatever. He's giving us updates, but he's not committing to uh, times anymore. Yeah, yeah. George has said that, like, he's learned not to give ETAs because people just shout at him when he um, blows past the ETA. And, um... This is a good piece of advice for anyone in any creative medium. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that um, deadlines are a quick path to insanity in a lot of <laughs> creative situations. So, yeah, I mean, look, maybe I'm crazy, Austin, but I think there actually is some hope that it'll be out in the next few years. I think that there's a danger that George will get too involved in the 17 upcoming Game of Thrones spin-off shows. Yeah. Like Snow and Ten Thousand Ships and the Nine Voyages of Corlys. I and- think that he basically wrote fuck all for the duration of Game of Thrones. Um, in the time Game of Thrones was in, on the air, I think he did not write very much in those eight years. Well, he, well, he certainly wasn't very productive. We know that, yeah. <laughs> or it would be done. But. I mean, he, he he has talked in his blog about, like, stuff that, you know, like, progress that he made over those years. It's not a whole lot. But he has talked about, like, you know, POV, POVs that he's done. Yeah. And- but, I, you know, he you said earlier that he once mentioned that 2020 was his most productive year by yeah. far. And I think the two factors in that are COVID and Game of Thrones not existing anymore. Yeah, he has he has said that the distractions of the shows being on take a lot of attention away from wins yeah anyway yeah look it, it we will drive ourselves insane trying <laughs> to legislate this um i i think wins will come out um but we don't know when 
Thanks for the super chat from Sukiakari, who says, Mance Raider isn't Rhaegar Targaryen. He's obviously Lan the Clever. I think there are actually some cool um, comparisons to be made between Mance and Lan. Yeah, there are like, absolutely In the are. same way as there are between Mance and Bale the Bard, because they're very similar stories. They're clever tricksters who infiltrate places through tricksy cunning. That's it. Um, Land the Clever died thousands of years ago, though. And Rhaegar died, like, 20 years ago, so I don't think Mance is either of them, really. I think that they are archetypes. Yes. Because, like, yeah, like, the Bale the Bard thing is a story about, what was it, a, a wildling who infiltrated Winterfell yep. and hooked up with the Stark's daughter and got her pregnant and left some blue roses in her place. Which is, and and then he gets you know killed by um, oh no I'm thinking of the Night's King with um, <laughs> the Stark <laughs> the King of the Breaker of Wildings, yeah, yeah different story um, <clears throat> but it's like mechanically very similar to the Land the Clever story of um tricking your way into the castle and then hoodwinking the family out of it uh, like their bloodline <laughs> yeah yeah well, yeah which is actually yeah it's a great story the whole like yeah. I, my people are actually your ancestors, um, which is which under which you know is what we said before about like Song of Ice and Fire, undermining the whole bloodlines are everything thing. You know, Mance is saying Northmen and Wildlings are interconnected mm. already, so your whole like superior bloodline bullshit is is nonsense. Um, and, but yeah, I mean, and also obviously like the Bale the Bard. Um, running off with the Northman's daughter and leaving Blue Roses also parallels Rhaegar running off with Lyanna and her mm. crown of Blue Roses. So, you know, this is just something that George does. He just, like, puts the same and, um, archetypes. Mance running off from Winterfell with Jane Poole. Yeah. And leaving corpses. Yeah. Don't you love a good trickster? Oh, we do love him. We do love a trickster. Sorry, I'm trying to think of parallels between um, those people and Littlefinger now, because he also made off with Stark's daughter. Uh, yeah. yeah. George only writes a couple of stories, and he writes them a hundred times. Yeah, like Littlefinger and Sansa escaping yeah. Game's Landing after Joffrey gets poisoned, and yeah. Is there anything like that in um, Hot D? Don't think so yet. I guess Damon escaped King's uh, the Red Keep with the King's daughter. In episode four, but that's like a very different vibe. Yeah, Damon sneaking Rhaenyra out through the secret tunnels. I mean, th th through they... the what? <laughs> <laughs> Let's not. We'll, we'll get there. Um, they really are emphasizing the secret tunnel situation in um, the Red Keep this season. Yeah, Rhaenys uses them. Um, Rhaenyra and Damon use them. Who else uses them? Well, Eric knows. Yeah, about yeah, them. yeah. That was weird. Yeah. No, no, he's a king's guard. I guess it kind of makes he sense. He learns it from, like, Aegon. I guess Aegon knows. Yeah. They're not very fucking secret, are they? <laughs> if everyone uses them. And that connects back to Lan the Clever, because Lan, like, winkled his way into Castle Rock. Yeah. Intertextuality. Thanks for the super chat from Saint, who says, finally caught a stream from the UK. Um, Luke London, we're going to talk about some theories after... Uh, we're going to do a spoiler section near the end. Yep. Uh, Alt Swift Rivers. 
Your bastard son. Oh my goodness. My my bastard son, Alt Shrift Rivers, just sent a super chat saying, Father, uh, you must be mistaken. Um, uh, your father's a horse. Thanks for the super chat from Foxtail Tales. Oh, no message. I, c- I really commend that. And a super chat from John T. Savage, who says, what do you think of the theory that... Uh, is is this a spoiler zone question, do you think, Gladys? Um, let me have a looky-loo. Yeah, that's a spoiler section one. But we should talk about that later. Yeah. Thanks for the super chat from Foxtail. Oh, he did send a message. Yeah. <laughs> it's 5am in Michigan. Good morning. Um, Good morning. Alice and his Sarah's daughter. Oh, have you not heard that one? Oh, my goodness. Oh, it's a real thinker. All right. Thanks for the super chat from Suki Akari. Gladys is going to explain the <laughs> Alicent is Sarah's daughter theory. Oh, boy. Ooh, doggy. <laughs> okay. So, um, prior to Alicent's description, um, there are no Hightowers described as being Valyrian-ish. You know how Hightowers are described as looking Valyrian-ish in the book, in the show. She that, you know, she just looks like a... So, the Hightower family, the family of Alicent and Otto, they are often described as being, like, blondish. Yeah. Is what you're saying. Yeah. And that trait is typically... I mean, there are other... I think they're Andal houses with blonde hair, like the Lannisters. But it's... I think the way they're described is more akin to Valyrians, and that's why people have question marks. Alicent's the first one, I believe, who is described as looking that way, like, in the chronology. And so people think, well, maybe that it's at that point that those genetics entered the Hightower family. Instead of, you know, these theories that they're descended from the Great Empire of the Dawn, which is also where the Valyrians <laughs> get their genetics. It's very... It's all very um, schizoid. Um, but then there's, you know, the idea that are you fucking ready? <laughs> I, I'm so not ready, but go for it. Um, uh, yeah, Jaehaerys mistakes Alicent for Sarah on his deathbed. He does? Yeah. Yes? That, I think that's it. Wow. So, so, yeah, right. So, Alicent looked after the old king Jaehaerys in the books before Hot Day, and Jaehaerys mistakenly called Alicent Sarah. Which was the name of one of his dead daughters. 30 years later, Viserys mistakenly calls her Emma. Yeah. Hmm. Senile old man. Um, so, you're saying that Sarah, Jaehaerys' oh, daughter, <laughs> someone, someone said that Jaehaerys' daughter, Sarah, was the mother of Alison Hightower. Yes. And that's how Hightower's got the... Targaryen-y appearance with the blonde hair. Yes? Question mark? You know, I'm not a geneticist, but... Oh, I, I, they're magical genes, aren't they? They're Targaryen oh. magical dragon genes. George genes are all over the place, George anyway. genes, yeah. Um, I mean, uh, you, you, I mean, we kept saying, like, Alicent's appearance is described as X or Y... To, to the best of my knowledge, there is no description of Alison's yeah, no. appearance in I, any I think of it's the more books. That, like, um, all of the high towers who are described as looking like that are after Alicent. Yeah, but you know, we just don't have any previous high tower descriptions, so there's like no deviation to model that on. All right, and Sarah Targaryen was in Old Town around the right time. Was it the right was time? She? I thought that by the time Alicent would be born, she was already, like, in lease or Volantis. Because Sarah was the daughter who, like, became a sex worker. Oh, you think and, of Majel. Um, or, um... 
I don't know. He has too many fucking daughters. Um, <laughs> Majel was the one who became a scepter. Yes. In Old Town. Yes. When was... Well, was he in Old Town? Who cares? Um, when was Sarah in Old Town? I don't think Sarah was ever in Old Town. So oh, was... did she escape to Old Town after she was imprisoned because of the whole sex thing? You know, after the... Um... The scandal. Yeah. You, you, wouldn't you believe it, but George R. R. Martin has written about scandalous Targaryen princess sex. Oh, that's right. She was going to be shipped off to become a sister because, you know, she'd done sex things. Right, and then she escaped from yeah. there, yeah. Okay, so she was there for some amount of time. Enough time to fuck Otto Hightower. I mean, how old is Alison? In, in the books, Alison is like 30 or 40 at the time of um, Hot D. Yeah. Maybe maybe the timeline does add up. Like, maybe it does. And since Sarah's one defining characteristic is being a... A, um, a sex freak. A sex freak. <laughs> I mean, how would she not want to hook up with the brother of the Lord of... Oh, I'm annoyed by how much sense this is actually making now that I think about it. I almost believe this uh, shit. I, I kind of hate it. But, but like, the... I. If you're using the descriptions of high towers after Alicent as a piece of evidence, I don't think that holds up to scrutiny because yeah. there's there's nothing before Alicent. Exactly. Yeah. There's no evidence of like a change before and, and after Alicent because there's no. Yeah. I think that the Great Empire of the Dawn theory, you know, with the black oily stone at the base of the high tower and how old the high towers are, like how long they've been around for, I think that works much better as an explanation for their um, appearance. Yeah, so just just to quickly went, cover that. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, Gliders is operating at, at light speed here. <laughs> and for those who are not deeply steeped in eldritch, deep Song of Ice and Fire, like, Stygian peer theories. No, no. Yeah, so, so, so Old Town is where the Hightowers come from. Otto and Allison are down. Hightowers. From, I know, I like to start <laughs> at the beginning. That's, so those are the Hightowers of Old Town. And the Hightower, which the Hightowers are named after, a big-ass tower, is built on a island called Battle Isle, and the foundation of the Hightower is made out of this oily black stone, which s- seems to appear, th- it says this in the World of Ice and Fire book, it looks like Valyrian uh, dragonstone fused stone which is created by dragon fire melting and fusing stone um but the stone predates the targaryens and their dragons being in westeros by several millennia by ages so like who which dragons created this and also the book says that the architecture of this stone structure is singularly unvalyrian so like there's multiple strong reasons to believe that Dragon lords who weren't Targaryens were in Westeros thousands of years earlier. Um, so who were they? You know, if the Valyrians weren't the first dragon riders, who were? And the answer is probably the Great Empire of the Dawn, which is like the Chinese Empire in the Far East that's mentioned in the World of Ice and Fire book. And they built the Five Forts, presumably. And the Five Forts are fused dragonstone structures that predate the Targaryens. So, like, basically, there's all this, like, hidden archaeological fucking ancient aliens evidence in the deep lore. It really is ancient aliens shit, isn't it? It is. (laughs) Like, basically, what we're arguing is that the pyramids were built by Chinese dragon riders. I'll buy it. That's that's sort of what we're saying. Mm. Um, And what we're saying is that the reason why the Hightowers are blonde is because... 
the Great Empire of the Dawn might have been blonde, which... Well, because isn't the idea that Valyrians also descended from them? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean the idea that, like, Azor Ahai, like, the original hero who saved the world was of... Was, like, the Bloodstone Emperor and, like, of the Great Empire of the Dawn. There's a lot of, like, overlapping confused theories. I also like the theory that the Danes are descended from the Great Empire yep. of the Dawn. and that's they're, what... they're even more strikingly Valyrian-ish. With the purple eyes yeah. and they have the sword... That's called Dawn that might have been the original Lightbringer. Supposedly made from a fucking asteroid. Yeah. So, there's- Look, there's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot. But uh, maybe that's- that. Maybe Alicent is half Targaryen. I I don't think I like it that much. Should we put that on the list? Yeah, let's put it on the list. Yeah, you guys are welcome to suggest stuff and we will put it on the tier list. Um, if we get to talk about it. There's but a tier list, by the way. There is a tier <laughs> this list. This is a theory stream. <laughs> yes. Hyper laser focused live stream. Uh, so the theory is um, Alison is. Just say Sarah's daughter. Sarah yeah. Targaryen's daughter. Um, look, it, it's it's not an A tier theory. Um. Thomas in the live chat says that the timeline doesn't add up. I'd be willing to believe that. I, I mean, Thomas says that Sarah was in Old Town in 85 AC. D- does the book say that Sarah was in Old Town yeah, in 85 or, AC? Or is that like, like a fan calculation? Yeah, because like there's a lot of wikis that very confidently say this happened in this year and this happened in that year. But they base it on like, oh, the moon was full on the week when this happened and that was a year before I, that happened. There is evidence to suggest that George does think about that stuff in the minutiae when it comes to events in the main series, like concerning Stannis' movements in... No? I think Elio. <laughs> and Linda do the timeline. <laughs> That's very uh, patient of them. G- George has helpers called Elio Garcia and Linda Antonson, and they uh, keep track of some of the lore and world-building details so that George doesn't have to. And I'd be willing to bet that um, George does not know <laughs> what yeah, year Sarah I, was yeah, in Old Town and what year Alison was born. I think and- George uses the moon as like a, you know, narrative device rather than a timekeeping structure. Ab- absolutely. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> obviously. Like, like it's I've a- got this sneaking suspicion <laughs> that this author is using elements to evoke emotion rather than as clues to, um, you know, constructing a timeline for us. Insane theorist. As as much as I like, despite the fact that I just went too deep, we must not go too deep and forget that this is a story. <laughs> You're designed. allowed to go deep, but you have to acknowledge that that's not what the intention is. It's like the advice that people give for kinky sex: do weird shit, but stay sane. Keep like <laughs> keep like an eye on. I, I really like how you just compared <laughs> Song of Ice and Fire theory crafting to BDSM. There are more parallels than you would think. <laughs> it's it's really all just LARPing when it gets down to it. <laughs> just full immersion LARPing. Thanks for the super chat from Virgin Blood, who says, yeah. Love you, gamers. You think Laris will ever get the toes? Um, I'm going to let Glidus answer that one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I'll field this one. Um... <laughs> If by the toes you mean Alicent's toes, um, I hope not. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, like, to, to frame that in a... I think that he's already getting what he wants. He doesn't yeah. want to acquire her toes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the other thing is that we know that Alicent, uh, that Laris does have a propensity for cutting people's body parts off. Um, 
so it would not be unimaginable that he might take someone's toes as or foot as like a you know souvenir jamie loses his hand cersei loses her womanly guile characters lose their a- tongues alicent loses her toes because that's what gives her power vaymond loses the top half of his head which was, <laughs> that was the best half of his head like that was his best feature was above the nose i think so yeah that's uh, that's moving stuff. I mean, that, I mean, to me, the question like, will Laris have sex with Alicent is a bit like the question of will Littlefinger have sex with Sansa? You know, because they have a very similar vibe of like sort of idolizing, but also exploiting and manipulating oh, yeah. a, a woman. Um, and Littlefinger like seems to be obsessed creepily with Sansa, and it's like, but you know, will having like 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 what what is the end goal in Littlefinger's head with his relationship with Sansa does he think that she's going to fall in love with him and they'll have <laughs> 10 redhead babies like what exactly is the yeah if it end was goal just here? to fuck her yeah he definitely could have just done that already yeah i i think that it's more complicated than yeah i don't i don't know if they i think it's like a a dog chasing a rabbit and it doesn't know what it what to do when it catches it which very gross metaphor and I, <laughs> oh god but but that's the fucked up psychology that's going on in like laris and littlefinger's heads i think so yeah i um what will those relationships culminate in nothing good i'm sure thanks for the super chat from nicodermis who says caraxes is two dragons and a wyvern in a costume like a pantomime like vincent adult man i don't know about this do you think that like the wyvern is like the snaky neck part and that's all we see of the wyvern. Yeah, I, I well, it, it would have to be like oh, a, it's like a baby dragon at the back, and that's why it's got his goofy like back wings. Oh uh, yeah, it's yeah three drag yeah three sets of um it's well, I mean don't think about it too much because it's a bit of a human centipede situation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course, a, a dragon centipede. I could believe that Caraxes is a dragon centipede. Maybe let's move on. Maybe thanks for the super chat from Patrick who says, "How do you guys?" Th- or they used the Song of Ice and Fire prophecy. We've already been talking about the prophecy, haven't we? We're like... Yeah, go back in the live stream to the start. Yeah. It's it's interesting to think about, like, you know, which parts are true and which aren't. Because every prophecy in this story, including, like, Viserys' dreams, are, like, partly true, but not true in the ways that the dreamer thinks they're true. Um, so, I can... So, yeah, like, it's reasonable to think that Aegon may have had dreams about White Walkers and that spurred him to action, like several other characters, like Rhaegar. But, like, did he make up the parts about Targaryen supremacy being part of the deal? I, I, I've, I've warmed to it a little bit. Yep. Um, would you like to talk about another theory? Let's. Which one would you like oh, to Oh, the Jace's Kristen son one. Let's do it. How exciting. So, Jace is the firstborn son of Rhaenyra Targaryen. Um, looks like a strong boy, doesn't he? Yeah. Uh, I could take him. <laughs> Do you think you could defeat this this child in a fight? How many... <laughs> let, 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 let's rank the characters by who we think we could beat in a fight, starting with the children. Um, young Jace I could definitely take, yeah. Luke is a toss-up. <laughs> so the theory here is that um, that... I don't know. As far as I'm aware, Rhaenyra and Kristen only did the deed once. And that was years before um, Jace happened, right? Yeah, a little bit. 
a little bit before it happened. Before he happened. Yeah. Oh, how cute. Um. Yeah, he was born uh, during the time gap. How The time gap is 10 years. Jace is how old in the sixth episode? I don't think he was born that long into her marriage to Lenor. Yeah, so... Rainier and Leno got married at the end of episode five. Yeah. And then Jace appears after the gap in season six. We don't know exactly how many years. We don't know exactly how old they are. Um, was there a time gap between episode four and episode five, though? Um, there is a very brief one. Yeah. Like, it's basically right away. So, okay. So, so like, there's nothing completely explicit in the show that says that, like... <sighs> It's impossible for Jace to actually be Kristen's um, child. Because, like, you know, Rhaenyra was given moon tea to prevent pregnancy, but yep. it doesn't show us whether she drinks the moon tea. Or if she ever fucked Kristen again. Yeah. For Although, all we... You can kind of see in Kristen's behaviour towards the end of episode four that this stuff is already on his mind. That he doesn't really want to continue unless she can commit to um to him. Yeah, which she does not. Um, so yeah, I like I I like it. I think it's an interesting idea that like, what if they continued the relationship in some form? But like, I I, I don't. That's not really what they were going for in Hot Day. I don't think. No, I think the show tries to make it very clear that they are all Harwin's sons. Yeah. Because, like, you know, Jace being born, like, especially in the books, it's like, he's got the pug nose, he's got the dark hair, he's got the strong features. So, like, certainly in the book Fire and Blood, I think it's pretty clear that Jace is Harwin's child, not Kristen's. Um, but it does make for a fun irony. Like, all, all of the scenes about... Because, like, you know, in this scene where Kristen is... Um, you know, like, trying to reveal Harwin's fatherly relationship uh, with, with Jace and the mm. boys by, like, showing how he's a father. Wouldn't it be so ironic yep. if the whole time Kristen was actually the real father and, I, I, you know, and he doesn't know it and he's being a terrible father because of, you know, how he's treating Harwin and the kids. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, we could see similarities in, like, Jace and Kristen's personalities, right? Like, one of the things that I think is interesting in Hot D is how they've shown Jace to be a little bit aggressive with Luke in training. Um, Jace seems like kind of a dick in a way that yeah. reminds me of Kristen, right? Yeah. Who's also, like, hot-headed and violent. It, it, it could just be older brother vibes. It, like, the, it's one explanation among a few you can muster up. The second son and, you know, theme. We we see him become more aggressive once Damon in, is in his life. Yeah. Because when we see them as kids, like he just he doesn't really, he doesn't do anything to Luke. They get on perfectly fine. Well, and they seem to get on perfectly fine here. It's just like in that training sesh where he acts aggressive towards Luke. But that's the same arc that Kristen goes through, right? Because when we first meet Kristen, yeah, I guess he is a noble little boy he seems to be just this handsome dutiful competent like hard-working dude white knight which is very similar to jace's vibe when he's like i'm gonna try really hard to learn valyrian and i'm gonna train and i'm gonna be dutiful like that i think it's a very close parallel young jace and early Kristen, and the way that they both become more violent and unpleasant as the season goes on they have parallel arcs 
I suppose, but the timeline. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I think you've really. Got I to... think it's going to be really interesting to see what they do with Jason season two. Yeah, especially like when he learns that his brother is has been murdered by Amond. Yeah, yeah. Like, like are Jace and Rhaenyra both going to like turn hard towards violence and vengeance and anger? Or I don't know. Maybe Jace will have a level level head. Um. Yeah, I, you've got to do some tortured things to the timeline to try and make Jace into Kristen's son. Like, it's possible, but it's like it's just obviously not what they're going for. Yeah. Um, I wonder if they're gonna do a Jon Snow thing with um with Jace. You know, when he finds out about his family members dying. You know, Jace has been sent to the north, and it's even like he's in the same location oh. uh, when he finds these things out. That is a great point. Like, just as John found out that, oh, no, like, Ned has been yeah. killed and Rob is at war and I want John to go help John tried my family. to betray his duty. Yeah. But, you know, Amon talks about how, uh, you know, love, it tests your commitment to duty. So, maybe um, Jace is going to experience similar hardships in that regard. Yeah. I think that's such a great point. Like, will Jace Thanks. continue on his journey north to be the envoy to the Erie and the North after he finds out his brother was murdered, or, or he will he do something stupid? Turn around, yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, we know what 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 happens in the book. They can change things. They've changed plenty of things. Um, but I, I'm talking more about like the tone of the things he does. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. because we we know the big plot points, but there's a whole lot of there are layers and layers of like emotional motivation and reaction and relationships that are. Creations of the show for the show. Thanks for the super chat from Roland, who says, which of the dragons are horses in disguise? I worry that other creators on this platform are being, like, met with this kind of message because of me. That, like, <clears throat> because of the joke I've started, everyone else has to deal with it as well. <laughs> Yeah, the, the only thing more chaotic... Like, I worry that David Lightbringer reads Super Chats that say the same shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the thing. When, when you send a horse meme out into the world, you not only it not only comes back to you, it washes up on everyone else's shores. Yeah. It's the equivalent of, like, environmental pollution. Yeah, if I've you dropped like, a nuclear bomb in the Pacific Ocean. You've dumped a whole lot of polonium into the Atlantic. And now the waters in Kiribati are contaminated. And they don't even know why it's... <laughs> they don't even know what it is. You've changed the canon with your horse joke. <laughs> George R. R. Martin is probably getting these yeah, horse jokes. Yeah, like, what the fuck? <laughs> Doesn't know what they're talking about. <laughs> like when Preston asks George about the Vulcran spaceship. <laughs> um, the what? <laughs> <laughs> it's a plague star, Glass. No, no, the no, red no George is, is like, well, what are you talking about? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't remember that. <laughs> How do you want to rank... Jace's Kristen song. Uh, it's fun, but very unlikely and clearly not what they're doing. Yeah. So, yeah, C's fun. Yeah, we, we really need, like, a multi-axis of, like, how likely it is to be true versus how much we like it. We did do that, If only we? someone had thought of that over we, a year ago. Why didn't we use your multi-dimensional oh, let's axis use a tier list. Let's rank the thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Is that your Oakshift X voice? No. Uh, in book four. <laughs> there we no. go. No, that sounds more like that wanker old shit. <laughs> that doesn't sound like me at all. What theory do you want next? Um, you don't want to do more super chats? 
Thanks for the super chat from Lost Found, who says that Ashara is actually dead and isn't Septa Lamore. That's a pretty wild theory. Yeah, I, I don't know what you're basing that off. Do you think it's possible that Ashara Dane is actually just Ashara Dane? Uh, there's no there's no textual evidence to support this kind of claim. Mm. I think everything in the text points to her having faked her death, run across the other side of the world <laughs> to participate in someone's harebrained scheme to put someone on something. It's the sensible thing. Yeah. Uh, Ashara is a character who died a few years before. Well, she's in the fridge. Yeah. Accept it. She's somebody who died after Robert's Rebellion, and George reportedly said in a conversation to someone that Ashara's body was never found. And Is that the only source on that? Yes. Oh. And so that person reported George saying that to the So Spake Martin archive on Westeros.org, mm-hmm. and then someone put that in the Song of Ice and Fire wiki. And now it's fact. And now it's fact. And so, like, legions of, like, theories and stuff have been crafted about Ashara secretly surviving and becoming some other character with some other plan. And so much of that hinges on George allegedly saying at some point in the 90s that Ashara's body was never found. (laughs) And even if he did say that, it doesn't, like, (laughs) it doesn't mean that she faked her death and ran away. Plenty of people's bodies aren't found. It would be surprising if her body was found, considering she jumped off a tower into the sea. In, like, a raging part of the sea, isn't it, too? Is it? The Torrentine. I mean, it's called the Torrentine. Yeah, that's true. It's not called the Gentle-Teen. Yeah. It's not called the (laughs) Chill-Teen. What's that, like, lazy river ride in the water parks? It's not that. No, it's not that. Um, Starfall is not located at the precipice of a water park. All right. I'm glad we've established that. Um, would you like to discuss the Laris Harwin Sith All situation? Right, I bet people have been looking at that, wondering <laughs> what the hell we're on about. So, this is an idea we thought of minutes before going live. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, you know, everyone reckons... Not everyone, but lots of people reckon that Laris Strong is a green seer because he can, you know... Fucking go into rat heads to see what they're seeing because he knows things. He knew yeah, about he the knows moon things tea. That are, he knew about like it seems goings on. Very difficult for him to otherwise actually know without any magical means. And I, <laughs> where did this come from? <laughs> I think we were confusing each other about um, how he became a green seer. Well, well no, I, I was arguing at the time that Harwin must be a skin changer because he walked into. Uh, Callous, because no. Here's why. Because <laughs> this is a whole other side theory. So Harwin, in one of the episodes, makes a joke to Rainier. Episode we get six, the, I the guess. Charlie Day pinboarder. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pepe Sylvia. Yeah. Um. So Harwin made a joke to Rainiera, I think, in episode six, where he's talking to his little baby Joffrey Valarion. Um, and he says oh, right. to Joffrey Valarion, sleeping oh, in front of the commander of the city watch. Yes. Terrible lack of respect. That was an incredible. Yes. It's really not. He is Australian. Just like that. Um, that's what Harwin says. He makes a joke about being asleep on the watch. And then Corliss in episode 10 makes almost the same joke to Rainies. 
when Collis wakes up from his fever and he says, um, I've had men whipped for sleeping at their post, but you are no man. He, he says something like that, which it, I think it's very weird that they gave an almost identical joke to two different <laughs> characters in this one season of TV. So, therefore, the most logical explanation for why they both made the same joke is that Harwin, when he died, Harwin must have been a skin changer because of how strong our first man and first man can be skin changers. So he, his soul, his mind went into the body of Corliss when he died, which is something that can happen in the prologue of book five. Varamir tries to take over Thistle when he dies. It's a thing that can happen. So therefore, Harwin wait, took wait, over- Wait, 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 wait. So you're not, <laughs> you're not only saying that Harwin was a warg, but also an extremely powerful warg. Because <laughs> Varamir's six skins is like a gigachad warg. He wargs like a billion different really strong animals. Yeah. Oh, that's why he's called six skins. Yeah. Because um, he had six animals. And, then, and what, what do you think they called dies, him before he had six animals? Probably probably five skins. What did they call him before that? I imagine at some point he was Varamir three skins. What about after that? So you're saying that Harwin... <laughs> <laughs> can you just say four skins so we can move on? <laughs> uh... So, when he tries to invade <laughs> Thistle's mind, I'm not saying it, um, <laughs> Thistle manages to resist him. Yes. And Thistle is, you know, she's not uh, a decrepit person, but she's not, like, the strongest person in the world. I, I guess Corlys also isn't the strongest person in the world, because he's kind of old. But... And also, the context, Varamir was dying when he tried to take over Thistle. Was Harwin not dying? Well, he wasn't on fire. He was, like, surrounded by a burning building. And he's like, well, I'm going to die. Therefore, I better... We see burning rubble fall onto him. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Okay, he did die. He did die. And then his soul left his body, and then he took over Corliss. And that's why Corliss- Makes the same joke as him. Makes the same- Because it's the same person. Like, t- like 14 years later. And that's why Corliss <laughs> changes his mind. Corliss suddenly, like, changes his whole oh, personality. He's, so- he's in love with Rhaenyra. Because he's in re- love with Rhaenyra. No. And that's why Corliss oh, suddenly no. joins Rhaenyra. And that's why Corliss suddenly doesn't care about, like, Valerion ambition Wait. anymore. Because he's not a Valerion, he's a strong- And he Wait. wants to support his love, Rhaenyra. What about the six years in between Harwin dying and this moment? <laughs> he wanted to party in the steps. <laughs> I guess Harwin would want to do that for a bit. Well, well, you, you know, like some of the horrifying lines in dance about like, you know, when you take wh- when you're when you go into the body of a wolf, the wolf's mind is still there alongside mm. your mind when you have your second life and then slowly like your mind loses the battle to the wolf's mind and then you're just a wolf. So like maybe in a similar sort of way, like, I mean, obviously it's not ethical to take over someone's body. So when Harwin tried to take over Corliss's body, Corliss's mind, you know, he's a strong willed guy. He resisted. And so there was an ongoing battle between like Harwin's mind and Corliss's mind inside Corliss's you body. You actually believe this, don't you? <laughs> I think I believe it. <laughs> I, I'm a true believer. And that's why he cut his own throat. Be- I remember now. Oh, okay, so it's. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. Okay, so sorry. So, so the reason we're doing this stream is that I, 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 the- I it just came to woke me. Woke up in a cold sweat. I woke up in a cold sweat <laughs> with the thought: Corliss cut his own throat, and now I remember why. 
The reason why Corliss cut his own throat <laughs> is because Harwin was, like, trying to take control of Corliss's mind. Just like Thistle in the prologue of uh-huh. book five, Thistle, like, fought against Varamir trying to take over her mind. And she bought and she bit her own tongue off and she clawed at her face. Like, right. s- like. Trying to get the thing someone, out of someone, yeah, she was trying to take Varamir's mind out of her body and to save herself from the control. So, in exactly the same way, while Harwin was trying to take over Corliss's body, I mean, over six years, admittedly, what, as that battle was taking place in Corliss's body, Corliss, in an attempt to drive Harwin out of his body and to escape Harwin's control, tried to cut his own throat. Corliss tried to kill himself. To free himself from the control of Harwin's soul. Man. And that's why he cut his own throat. So, that's not true, but I like it. Um, <laughs> does Hodor ever, like, try to do similar things? Does he ever, like, tr- show signs of assaulting his own body to get the Bran out? I don't think he does. Yeah. But, yeah, in the books, like, there Maybe are- because Bran's, like, just too powerful. Way more powerful than Varamir. Well, Hod- Hodor is not- Strong-willed. Strong-willed. Yeah. Um, Corliss would put up a fight like yeah, this all right. did. So, that that's- I need you to acknowledge that this is insane. <laughs> I'm not ready to do that. <laughs> yet. It's, it's a great display of what you can do with all of the information in this series. Th- this is unironically how people become flat earthers and, like, moon landing conspiracy it, are people. Are we like- part of a pipeline- yeah, look, I hope <laughs> I, I I always have this delusion that like that like talking about theories inadvertently teaches people about skepticism and like evidence and stuff. But I feel oh, like no. I did not contribute to the discourse with my callous theory just now. No, you did the opposite. I did the opposite. Yeah, we're on a we are on a radicalization pipeline to. Um, Flat Eartherism. Yeah, you start with the the horse video. Yeah, and, yeah, And yeah. you end up watching Alex Jones. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> um, so, where would you- Oh, yeah, and then this ties in with Laris and Harwin Sith situation. Yeah, I- So, well, so Harwin obviously is the strongest green seer in history. What, what, yeah, you already okay, have yeah. um, Harwin Hog, uh, Hog to call us there. Oh, okay, yeah. all right. But you didn't have um, Callus cut his own throat. That's a good one. All right, uh, well, I'll, I'll just put that as... as <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, make, I'm putting yep. that as an S theory. Um, so, Harwin is the greatest green seer known to man, um, and he taught Laris how to also do this kind of shit. And then Laris, at one point, figured out that he had actually surpassed... Harwin, and that's a contributing part of the motivation for Harwin killing, uh, uh, sorry, for Laris killing Lionel and Harwin. Because it's a Sith rule of two. Yeah. The the student has um, become the master. Yeah. Um, Just like, just like... From my point of view, the Jedi are evil. Exactly. So, who is Laris's Sith apprentice going to be? Alicent. Oh, so he's going <laughs> to teach Alan to warg. You know what? I What if it's Aemond? Wouldn't that be cool? That would be super cool. I mean, I think that Aemond is borderline a warg because of his relationship with Vega. Yeah. Well, do you want to talk about that? Yeah, let's talk. Man, we're really just uh, perfect the segues. The segues. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put that yeah, in S tier as well. 
Um, so, so I think the other, what we're talking about now is that the relationship between Amond and Vagar, I think, is fascinating. Um, Vagar, we have seen, has her own feelings and emotions. Yeah, she refused to kill Lena until she, like, saw the pain in her eyes. At least that's how I interpreted it. Yeah, I mean, Vega, at the very least, you know, resisted Lena's commands and had her own desires. And um, dragons clearly have, you know, some degree of personality and agency. Yeah, she, she chose to let Aemon ride her instead I, of killing him. And I think Vega specifically makes sense to have a lot of will and personality because Vega's so old and has seen through so much shit. Mm. And like, you know, Vega has had many different riders which means that, you know, she sort of has... And she's had a lot of time of having no rider. So, I think, you know, she has her own personality as much as anyone. Right, because the dragon. dragon that's been ridden its entire life is probably going to be dominated by that rider. Yeah. Whereas Vega, only, like, like 2% of her life she has spent with Amond, you know? So, Amond is just not going to be a huge part of yeah. Vega's... There's way more Visenya and Balon in Vega. Yeah. And who is Visenya? A warrior... A proud, possible dark sorceress, like, conqueror, you know? Girl boss. Girl boss. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Balon was, like, a cool guy, but he was definitely a warrior. Yeah, and, and he's, he's probably much less likely to be dominated by Vega's will. Uh, uh, maybe he claimed Vega while he was quite young as well. We don't know. I don't think we know. Maybe the reason Balon was so brave and angry was because yeah. Vega's will was making him... Angry. Because that's sort of what we're moving towards is the idea that maybe, you know, the riders think they're in charge of the Targaryens, but maybe the dragons are in charge of the riders. And doesn't Viserys sort of allude to that in episode one? When um, yeah. he's talking to Rhaenyra in front of Beleriand's skull about how the idea that we control the dragons is an illusion. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe sometimes it's the dragons that control the... Riders. And I mean, that's that's about magic generally, is that, you know, magic consumes people and power consumes people and magic is a sword without a hilt. And um, so, 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 you know, like you can look at how Stannis, um, his body starts to wither away when he starts doing magic with Melisandre. Yeah. So maybe, you know, Vhagar is using Amond as an excuse to do what she wants to do, i.e. eating Arax <laughs> and Luke. Yeah, and one day she's just going to veer off of what Aemond wants to do and just fly down to Dawn and just... <laughs> Agent Orange all over the place. Yeah. 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 No, v Vega is nasty and it's going to be... Uh, oh, I she's a sweet old lady. I love that she they've given the her so much personality. Mm. I like the iguana neck droop that she's got. Yeah, the big old lady... Um, yeah. Goiter. Is that a goiter? <laughs> I've, I, I don't know. Yeah, that. Yeah, it's an iguana thing. Surely. I believe it's called a wibbly wobbly. <laughs> yeah. A couple, a cockle wobbly. So, so what are we claiming? Vega makes Amond evil. Um, we don't want to, I mean, we don't want to get into spoiler zone territory just yet. No. We, we know Amond before he claims Vega. He doesn't do, like, anything hurtful well, yeah. towards anyone. He just investigates Dreamfire because, you know, he's a Targaryen. His identity is defined by dragon havingness. And so he's really driven to have one. But then as soon as he claims Vega, he yeah. does become more aggressive. 
Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Like, the first thing Amon does after getting Vagar is... He starts is, a fight. He starts insulting people. Well, I mean, they start the fight, kind of. Yeah, Baylor and Reyna are the first ones to, like, make the fight physical, but he was saying some, like, really inflammatory yeah. shit to yeah. them. Um <clears throat> And you could chalk that up to, you know, a kid finally feeling powerful. This kid's been bullied his whole life, and now he finally feels on top of the world. Yeah. Or you could say that Vagar is already influencing him. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's sort of one and the same, because it's power. Yeah. You know? it, it's a kid getting a taste of power, and it sort of... He's drunk with it. Whereas um, Aegon is just drunk with alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean that. I mean that's why I so want to see the relationship between Aegon and Sunfire. Yeah, who we saw two seconds of in episode seven. I've got a, I've got a feeling that um, Aegon's relationship with Sunfire will be uh, a downer because, like, Aegon is a dick and like exploitative <laughs> to everything around him. You think he'll, like, treat Sunfire as a slave? Yeah. Wouldn't yeah. it be, like, so sad and messed up? I if, think it'd like, be nice if it's the one, you know, uncompromised relationship in his life. It'd be kind of be depressing if it, like, he, if he's horrible to all the humans around him, but he's really nice to his fucking scaly Tamagotchi. Well, like, I think it's kind of cute. Yeah. And, and depressing, yeah. Yeah, it can be both. Two things can be true. Next theory. Well, you want to rank the, um, Vagar makes Aemond evil? Yeah, um, I, I mean, there's other stuff we can say about, like, you know, Targaryen dragon control being similar to, um, warg animal control, and they talk about how animals affect warg's minds, so there's a lot of, like, decent reasons to believe this. Yeah. Would you say that Aemond is evil by the end of season one of House of the Dragon? Because, like, the, the most horrible thing he does is... It seems by accident. Yeah. I, I, I think that the angle with Amon that's funny is that he looks and acts... He's a cartoon villain. Like a cartoon <laughs> villain. I love him. <laughs> like, like by, like, the later episodes, he looks like he's trying really hard to be a villain, but his actual actions aren't quite that of a villain it until... Kinda, in episode nine, he kind of seems like a mummy's boy. Yeah. Yeah, he, he just seems like this dutiful... Um, He's just, like, trying to follow Mummy's orders and find Aegon, and he's- He also wants to be the king. Well, yeah, but, like, he still goes along with the plan yeah. to make his brother king. so it's king. kind of against his interest to find Aegon. Although, maybe he goes along with Kristen so that he can influence the search to be outcome that they don't actually get Aegon. Because he does try to do that here. In this moment, Aegon begs Aemond, let me run away and not be king. Yeah. And then Aemond would probably end up king. Yeah. So Amon says, yeah, no, I'm not going to argue with you. And then Kristen shows up and he's like, come on, boys, off we go. So you think that Kristen sort of had the control there? Yeah. It's like Varys' riddle, like, you know, who has the power, the man with the sword or the king or the priest or Alicent or Kristen. Jowls. That's what Vega has. <laughs> What's, not What's goiter? I, I, I don't know. I was thinking jowls. <laughs> Vega has jowls. Um, yeah, no, look, I, I agree with you that, yeah. Oh, goiter, isn't that like a growth on the side of the neck from, um, 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 I don't know, there's some mineral deficiency that causes that. Okay. And that's why, what's the mineral they add to salt? Iodine. Iodine. Yeah, that's why there's iodine in salt. 
to prevent goiter. Yes. What if I want goiter? You don't want goiter. I don't want goiter. <laughs> um, what if you have goiter on your jowls? <laughs> anyway. I think it's just over at that point. Welcome to the Gliders and Old X medical advice <laughs> hour. The Millie Alcox nose podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Did we ever get to the bottom of Millie Alcox nose? Nose. Um, th- have you seen Upright? With yes, with Tim Minchin. Yeah, I like I like that show. I like that a lot. Everyone, sh- Tim yeah. Minchin's in it. Uh, are you a fan of Tim Minchin? I f- I fucking love Tim Minchin. Yeah, he's. Um... I saw him when he was um in my local area. I don't mean like at the shops. Like he he, <laughs> he played a theater, <laughs> a very large theater. He's very famous. <laughs> Is that so? <laughs> and um. It was, like, the best show I'd ever seen. It's so good. Does he still play bare feet all the time? Yeah, of course. That's cute. He actually did a standing jump from the floor to the top of the grand piano he was what? playing. What? It was incredible. He's cut. He's actually jacked. That That's impressive. And also slightly disrespectful to the piano, I feel. Uh, it's his. It is his. Can you imagine transporting a grand piano from show to show? <laughs> Can you imagine the cost that of has that? like comfy landing pads on it, like turf grass? <laughs> <laughs> My God! Or like tumbling pad. Anyway, so Amond doesn't do it. I mean, look, here's the thing: he does try. He, he's he's obviously very keen to do some evil shit, even before the death of Luke. Like you know, when he you know yeah. borderline threatens Jason Luke by like. Eyeing them down and like Ian oh, Mitchell, <laughs> he's incredible. Honestly, just his eye, I, like it's so intense. Yeah, I, I feel like honestly, like the color grading is part of what makes his eyeball fucking pop mm. out of the socket in this shot. Um, but then also like like his insult oh to the God, strong boys, <laughs> right? His face is incredible. Um, he's trying real hard to be a villain here. Yeah. He loves it. Like, he's trying to start a fight, staring down Daemon. So, like, so, yeah, I, I would argue that that he is villainous. Like, he hasn't done anything, anything yet, but he clearly wants to do some fucked up shit. Oh, yeah. And, like, the interactions he has with Daemon, it, it feels like he's, you know, inspired by how all the fucked up things Daemon does. And, and that's from the moment he loses his eye, basically. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think that he is... I think that he's been flirting with villainy, he, but he, throughout season one, he kind of wants to be a villain, but he's never actually done anything straight up villainous yet. Because yeah, and like now that the penny's dropped, you know, now the death of Luke. Pound. Yeah, it's like well, did I just mix metaphors? Uh, yes, he did. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was good. It was good. I mean, Amond also threatened to cut out Luke's eye, like in Storm's End. Oh, he was just trolling. Yeah, I think he's a bad guy. I think he's a bad guy. And you think Vagar plays a role in that? I, th- I think it definitely feeds his dark side yep. to have a giant borderline evil war criminal dragon um, as his mount. I-, I-, I think it's a B-tier theory. <laughs> Let's just give- put a kid in charge of a tank and just yeah. see how that changes him. It's It's, it's so much worse than a tank. Yeah. It's like a fleet of bombered <laughs> airplanes, you know? Yeah. Which theory now? Oh, well, we were just talking about Eamon. Shall we talk about his sister? Helena and, and Amon. So, pretty popular theory. 
um, is that there's some kind of relationship between Amond and Helena that is romantic. Here is the one shot in the entire season when they are sharing the frame together. Is this um just as Rainis has done the vertical Kool Aid Man? Yes. Yep. The vertical Kool Aid Man. Thanks. Um, <laughs> and Melia says, "Oh yeah." <laughs> um, she said the dragon equivalent of that. Yeah, that's actually what the subtitles put. And um, anyway. I think the one shot where we see um, Helena's children, Jeharis and Jehera, very inventive, by the way. Um, Aemond is with them in the room, isn't he? Or am I making that up? We never I, see Aegon I, with them. The, I think you're making that up. That's supposed to Am I making that up? I've been prone to making things up. I'm a creative guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a good thing. You, it's not lying. It's um, creative truths. Yeah. Um, um, when is this? Episode 9. Episode 9, we see Jaehaerys and Jaehaerys. Uh, I think Aemon shows up later into this scene. Yeah. And and then the nurse takes away the kids. Yeah, okay. And then I think Aemon comes in. So, right. yeah. I, I'm not seeing a lot of parenting from Aemon, if Aemon is the father. I think Zero would still be more parenting than Aegon does for them. Yeah, I think Aegon's existence is He's a like net negative. He's like an anti-parent. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> But I guess the idea is that, you know, we've seen, um, we, Aemon basically said that he would like to marry Helena yes, in the funeral 17. scene. Um, he said, you know, I would do I my would, duty. Yeah, I would do good by her. And that's after Aegon says, well, do you marry her then? And he's like, oh, yeah, sure. I'm, I'm down for it. Which, like, I mean, counter argument, Aemon might only be interested in Helena as a political advancement thing yeah, because as we just talked about he, he is pretty keen on being king yeah um so and you know we never see any conversations between Aemond and Helena I mean yeah. they, they both have like a more quiet personality you yeah. know like they have a similarity in like vibe of being the misunderstood one who doesn't get as much attention you know that sort of second son energy yeah and um yeah, a- Eamon thinks he's a cool boy who's trying to be intimidating and villainous, and Helena, you know, that's just how her autism plays out. Oh, yeah, that's the other thing. Like, like is is it even possible for Helena to be, like, interested in a sexual relationship or romantic relationship, given the, where her mind is at? Like, um, I think there are people like Helena who certainly, you know, are sexual in nature, but I don't fucking... I don't know the girl myself. <laughs> sure, but like when I mean when you add the complications of like Them being, being queen <laughs> and being siblings and like I, I mean I mean you know the the fact that that well, is here's so here's the thing though is that um we already have a story about a queen fucking her brother under the nose of the king and raising three children. Yeah, bl- and that father also wasn't much of a father to their children, and they also were blonde. I'm talking about Jamie, by the way, in case that wasn't clear. Yeah, Jamie and Cersei secretly having a relationship would be... Yeah, it's it's like Helena and Aemon secretly having a relationship. Do you think Aemon's like Jamie in more ways than just the surface? Um, impulsive, <clears throat> violent, feels um, underappreciated, yeah. even though he's very privileged. I mean, he has an important body part cut yep. off. Yeah, there's and a that, lot of similarities. Yeah. 
George writes the same thing a hundred times. Truly, he does. Um, yeah, I, I, I like the Helena Amon thing. I, I did hear, I, I can't verify this, but I, I think I saw someone say that in the audio description channel on HBO Max, there's like... I've seen this, yeah. Yeah, there's like an audio channel describing what's happening for visually impaired people, I guess. And I heard someone say that the it says in the audio description that like... Amon says something to Helena at this season eight feast episode eight feast scene where he says something nice to her or he tells someone to be nice to her. Do you remember the wording? Um, I don't remember what it said, but I, I know what you're talking about. But I also remember that video being like very, huh? You know, yeah. <laughs> um, we should verify it and actually check the. Nah, we're, we're influencers. We don't have to do that. Um... <laughs> Facts. <laughs> No, baseless speculation. Yes. Helena speaks of how Aegon, like, never does anything with her during this speech. Well, well, no, she says that it's not so bad being to Aegon. He mostly ignores me, except for when he's drunk. When have we seen Aegon not drunk? Yeah. Yeah. I actually would be interested in that. Aegon not drunk, spending time with... It sounds like he'd be very miserable. Are there any scenes with Aegon where he doesn't have a cup of wine? Um, coronation. <laughs> He's very hungover. <laughs> Drunk or hungover. That's the worst day of his life until he hears the small folk cheering for him. Um, <clears throat> Super Trevor in the... Sorry, what were you saying? Uh, uh, <laughs> so- I, it reminds me of Robert. That's what I was going to say. Who also only ever fucked Cersei when he was blackout drunk. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Oh, wait, no. A, Helena, it's the opposite of Robert because Helena says when he's not no when he is uh, <laughs> hang on <laughs> Helena says that Aegon ignores her except for when he's drunk but he's always drunk and Cersei says that Robert only has sex with her when he's drunk yeah so it's the same thing so it is the same thing yeah and Robert also is mostly drunk yeah so which which yeah is obviously a non-flattering comparison to Robert to be compared to Aegon but they are very similar and they are mm. horrible in similar ways Probably shouldn't have been king, either of them. Um, oh, Robert's uh, all right. <laughs> so, so someone in the live chat was comparing it to, like, the Dragon Knight and Nerys with Aegon yeah, IV. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this is a later story about a Targaryen king whose queen may have hooked up with his brother, Aemon the Dragon Knight. Who was also her brother, we should note. They're all fucking siblings. It's yeah. horrible. Um Thanks, George. But, uh, but yeah, my point is that this would not be the first time some secret royal family Targaryen incest ruined everything. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for the super chat from Virgin Blood, who says, what if the Winds of Winter has more new POVs and no convergences? I'm pretty sure he said that it won't, but he said a lot of things. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't trust anything that George has ever said about his plans for future books. Um, I, I think that if the Winds of Winter adds more characters and more plot lines and doesn't wrap up plot lines, then yeah, that the series will truly never be done. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I believe him. Like, like we actually know quite a lot about what's in the Winds of Winter based on George's comments and the preview chapters and stuff. Like, I, I don't think he can add a whole bunch more POVs. Like, I think we know that it's focused on... Like, who even would he add? Yeah, because the thing is, like, a lot of the additions in Feast and Dance were, like, 
the Dornish people, the Ironborn people. Um, I guess he could ha- have like a representative of the Reach. A like Willis a Marjorie, Tyrell being yeah. there. I mean, I would love that. Yeah, that'd be dope. Willis Tyrell is fucking sick. <laughs> but yeah, that's about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I do agree that like um, the problem with the series never ending is that George just keeps adding more shit instead of wrapping things up. And that's why he describes himself as a gardener, but it seems more as though he has like a fucking rainforest that's that wants to live for millions of years. Completely out of the control. And and we are Dwayne the Rock Johnson in a sweaty um, uh, khaki shirt and a machete trying to get through the jungle. I'm not sure where this metaphor is going. I think it was going to the next super chat. (laughs) <laughs> that was smooth. Thanks for the super chat from JDN, who says, First time listening, I'm strapped in with a bucket of popcorn, a huge bag of chips, a bucket of ice cream, and a two-liter Sprite bottle. Hopefully, it's a six-hour stream. <laughs> I hope that lasts you three days. Yeah. I, I mean, if we only do a one-hour stream and you eat all that in one hour, um, is it possible to contract... Are, are you doing a diabetes speed run? <laughs> Any percent diabetes type, type one speed run? Um, look... Uh, thanks for listening. <laughs> thanks for the super chat from Raphael, who says, Jaehaerys is actually time-traveling Jon Snow. So, so some people like to think that Jaehaerys might be Jon Snow's real Targaryen name in yep. the books. Mm-hmm. That would be cute. I think Aemon would be nicer. Aemon would be nice. I think Jon Aerys. Why? It's funny to me. <laughs> Thanks for the super chip from Patrick, who says, we all bleed the same color except Euron. I have no idea what his blood looks like. I think it's like, have you seen Joseph and his amazing Technicolor dream coat? Not lately. Oh. <laughs> it's about, a, I think Euron's blood is like a rainbow. That's what I'm getting at. A psychedelic rainbow. Yeah. I, I think that Euron at this point just bleeds shade of the evening. Yeah. Which is blue, isn't it? I believe it is, like an indigo. Yeah, the lips. Yeah, um, yeah. I think when you, I think when you stab Euron, it's just bugs come out, like <laughs> that thing in the Night Before Christmas or the bug guy in Men in Black Two. Damn, Men in Black Two. Thanks for the super chat from Blaine, who says I talked to the artificial intelligence George Martin on Character AI, and he said Ramsey wrote the letter, and whores go to Molestown, and Danny misremembers her childhood thoughts. Well, I think we have to incorporate everything that you you, you see from an AI version of uh, George R. R. Martin as canon. Well, look, if an AI is pr- is producing more books than George is, I'm going to read what the AI says. <laughs> um, Ramsey wrote the letter. Whores go to Molestown. I mean, this is this all just seems like taking elements of the story and connecting them. Like it's exactly what an AI would do. Yeah, I, the, the, I, I like. I don't, is this the same as like the OpenAI GPT? I think it uses the same yeah. like, module because that AI, like I've played around with it, as my Twitter followers unfortunately know. Um, it it just says the most obvious thing usually. Mm, like mm. I I, I want to talk to a more creative AI that's willing to go out on a limb, because. What I've seen from those AIs is mostly just the obvious answer. And all those things you've written, Ramsey wrote the pink letter, 
Whores go to Molestown. Danny misremembers it. I mean, Danny misremembers her childhood. That is kind of oblique for an AI to represent. Because if the AI is learning based on what's on the internet... <laughs> the I- AI's watched a bunch of Preston Jacobs videos. <laughs> yeah, I would have thought that the AI would believe tinfoil to be fact, because, you know, that's more common. But anyway. Should we get back to hot day theories? Sure. Um, do you... Oh, oh so Helena loves Amod. Where do you want to rank that? I think it. Be, I I actually think I prefer it if they're just two siblings who you know get along very well. I, I think yeah. that would be nicer than more incest, please. Yeah, I I, I don't want to like go out on a limb here, but what if there were siblings that had a nice, sweet, supportive relationship and didn't have incest sex? I think that would be good. I, I think that would be cool. Yeah. So maybe we'll make it out of C. Yeah. Um. Is <laughs> which again. Generous. Um, if you remind me when we get to the spoiler zone, I, I do have another piece of supporting evidence to. Oh wait, is that? Did I make that up? Let's not talk about it. Um, do you think the, the crab feeder <laughs> <laughs> is a Keltigar or the Shrouded Lord, or a faceless man, or is Daemon, or E is all of the above? I think he's all of them. I'm glad you agree. Next. <laughs> So, so the crab feeder. I, I I really enjoyed that short period of time when <laughs> all the people between episodes two and three between episodes two and three when everyone who hadn't read the books was like, oh my god, the crab feeder! What a cool, scary character! He's the big villain. I, I wonder if Damon's going to defeat the crab feeder in the season finale of House of the Dragon. But no, he was just summarily executed the following episode. You don't even see it. Don't even see it. Which. Is a bit mysterious, isn't it? Like, what happened in that no, cave, Clayers? No, it's not. What happened in the cave? Damon killed him, and then he walked out with his corpse. What could have possibly occurred? <laughs> I don't There's get it. There's no way of knowing what happened in there. What are they implying? <laughs> what is the subtext? Here's the thing. The corpse that is dragged out by the person, it's it's covered in blood. Yes. It's got a mask yes. on the face, so you can't see whose face it is under the mask. It's, it's the same mask Crab Feeder was wearing moments before. Well, it is the same mask, but is it the same person wearing the mask? Yes. What if the Crab Feeder you know killed Damon? Earlier you were talking about how you were worried about encouraging conspiratorial <laughs> thought. Maybe I'll put it this way. I think that people should devote all their conspiratorial energy to conspiracy yes. theories in fiction yes. so that they don't have the energy to make conspiracy theories about election results. <laughs> so, Damon was killed Although we by- are going to talk about a rigged election later yeah. on. <laughs> we are going to talk about how the Maesters stole the election, the big lie, uh, demand a recount. So, the crab feeder killed Damon. And then the crab feeder put his mask onto Damon's corpse. And then because the crab feeder is a faceless man yep. with the ability to change his face, uh-huh. uh, he took on Damon's personality. And so Damon then- Wait, is this all to execute his master plan of marrying Lena Valarion? Well, I mean, who wouldn't want to marry Lena Valarion? Oh, she's a catch. Yeah. Um, and so since the faceless men are against Valyrians- because the faceless men were originally slaves of the Valyrians, uh-huh. the crab feeder faceless man is using his identity as Daemon 
to undermine the Targaryens by being a crazy asshole, like marrying Rhaena, Rhaenyra and being a crazy asshole and trying to start a war that's going to get a bunch of Targaryens killed. Right, because Daemon never showed signs of doing that sort of thing beforehand. Well, that's why the Crab Theater chose his target so well, Because uh, he was already doing that. Because he was like, well, no one's going to notice if I take over Daemon because Daemon was already a, a loose unit. I think this belongs in your S tier. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Up with... <laughs> Corliss walking. <laughs> <laughs> Harwin walking into Corliss yeah. and Corliss cutting his own throat. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the reason why he's also the Shrouded Lord oh, yeah. is that yes, the please. Shrouded Lord is a figure of, of grayscale who Tyrion has a dream about in book five. That's right. He's like the ghostly spirit who, who gives people grayscale. Um, the crab feeder had grayscale before he walked into Daemon. Uh, Shireen had grayscale. Shireen had grayscale. Um, and so th- that's where the Shrouded Lord comes from, is is when the crab feeder was slain. The, the, the grayscale energy went to Essos. Oh. Because the crab feeder's from Essos. Yeah, yeah, that so, makes sense. So crab feeder was born in the Roin, where in the Sorrows. No, he wasn't. Well, he might have been. <laughs> Isn't he a prince of Mir? Yeah, it was a pre- yeah, but he had to come <laughs> he was from somewhere. Born in fucking um, Croyane. <laughs> well, Mir's not all that far from Croyane. Oh, it's pretty far. I, I, th- I, I should say that I, I think that this theory was suggested to me on ah. the Alt Shift X. Um, this this is not all my theory. Um, this was suggested on the Alt Shift X community page. But um, t- tell me what you think of this theory while I check. Um, who suggested that to me? I think it's a darling theory. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, uh, what do you really want me to say? Like, you've already provided all the context that's possible. Um, do you think he? Oh, well, yeah, I think this was Simcoe on the YouTube community oh, page. Simcoe. <laughs> yeah, Simcoe. <laughs> thank you for suggesting this theory, Simcoe, because uh, it, it's blown my mind. Because Simcoe also compares this to the uh, Bruce Bolton skin changing theory, wherein ah. Bruce Bolton is a thousand year old vampire White Walker who takes over his children's bodies periodically. So, you know, the reason why Bruce isn't worried about Ramsay being such a loose unit asshole is that Bruce is planning to kill Ramsay and wear his skin in the future. So, yeah, that's more supportive evidence, Gladys. More is, bulletproof in what supportive way? evidence. H- how? Well, since there's a similarity to the unquestionable bolt-on theory, um, I-, I think that that supports that crab feeder What similarity? The well, the similarity in that these are both characters who, who theoretically steal each other's <laughs> the only, skin. The only reason it's a theory is because you've said it is. <laughs> See, I feel like this is a great warning against conspiratorial things. This, yeah. this is called circular logic. <laughs> A is true because B is true because A is true. Yeah. Therefore, B is true. Crab feeder is Daemon. So and that's Bruce- why. And that's why Rhaenyra uh, had a baby that looked like it had grayscale. Oh. That was a stillborn baby. Visenya had grayscale, and the other it's- two were fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because of all right. Yeah, that is a bit of a plot hole that mm. she had the other children. Oh, it's a plot hole, is it? <laughs> It's there's something wrong with the story presented. Yeah, I think George didn't think this one through when he. <laughs> when- That's my favorite thing about theories is when they stumble across a hole. They're like, ah, George didn't think it through. Yeah. Oh, that's so fun. That's what's going to happen when the Winds of Winter comes out. Everyone's going to blame George for not for getting their theory their right. Yeah. yeah. Amazing.
Um, yeah, so, yeah, thanks, thanks, Simcoe. What- yeah, thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and he's also a Keltigar, obviously, because the Keltigar sigil oh, cr- yeah, well, that's is a crab. So, I, I think the- And ke- also, the Targaryens, like, categorically ignore the the um, Keltigars, so I think that one actually, there's a- there's one atom of merit. Dare I say, the crab feeder is Keltigar theory is even better than the crab feeder is a faceless man theory. <laughs> if you could believe that's possible. Because the Keltigars, you know, might have a grudge against the Targaryens I and Valerion. I need to remind you that our time on this planet is limited. <laughs> it's the crab theory. <laughs> it goes all the way down. We can move on. We can move on. <laughs> so I can't sing very well. I did all my singing last night. Um, I, I would like to... Yeah, put an S. Yeah. I would like to put an S, yeah. yeah. Go for it. I'm starting to think that you think that the S uh, stands for shit. No, um, no. But I think it stands for... super de duper Splendiferous. Uh, what theory would you like to discuss next? Um, uh, shall we talk about the rigged election? The rigged election. I don't think it's on there. Well, I mean, it's kind of that, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Maester's rigged Aaron Hall and did dance. There you go. Yeah. They all got in a big room and had a dance together. Yeah. Yeah, well, I guess... Yeah. Well, yeah. All right. We're not going to spoil anything. Um, mm. Well, but I don't think it's a spoiler to say that the Dance of the Dragons is the conflict. Oh, yeah. Um, and when we talk about the maesters rigging the election, we're talking about the Great Council at Harrenhal, the start of episode one, which was when Viserys was chosen, voted to be the king instead of Rhaenys. In the books, it's instead of Laenor. Um, and in the books, it says that, uh, reportedly, Viserys won the vote 20 to 1. Mm. But the count of the numbers were never revealed by yeah. the maesters. Isn't that crazy? What an interesting detail. Yeah. What does that mean, Gladys? Why would they hide that? Well, the maesters have existed in Westeros for a very, very long time, right? Mm. The maesters are also in Old Town. The Citadel, their headquarters, is in Old Town. Which That's is- where the High Towers live. Oh, we talked about that earlier, didn't we? Um, yeah. That's where the Septons live. Didn't the Targaryens threaten to burn down the Starry Sept several times? Oh, they did. Didn't, they... The, didn't the Targaryens threaten to burn down Old Town several they times? They did do that. And then every time there was some sneaky political move that got them out of that. Do you think maybe the Maesters don't like the Targaryens? I think the Maesters don't like that the Targaryens have dragons. Because, like, we've seen Maesters, several Maesters... Hate magic. Crescent hates magic and tries to assassinate mm-hmm. Melisandre. Lewin says, magic uh, ain't magic, real. No, no, don't fuck around with magic. And, I, and he has... Doesn't Lewin have a Valyrian steel leaf? He studied it. Yeah. He tri- Lewin tried to learn magic, but failed. So he got this sour grapes situation where he's like, there is no magic. That is how I picture Lewin sounding. But Marwan, what does Marwan say in book four? Marwan says, oh, yeah, magic. Yeah, 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 yeah. Magic's real. And um, the maesters, all the other maesters, I'm one of the good maesters, um, all the other maesters tried to get rid of it. And they'll assassinate you. Yeah. If you try and talk about magic. Because the world that the Citadel is building has no place in it for dragons or prophecy or magic. Yeah. So, therefore, the maesters... Like, from that one paragraph, that one pivotal speech he gives at the end of A Feast for Crows, 
a thousand theorists went forth and tried mm. to um anal- like apply this perspective to every single thing that happens in the series which i don't think is like um a horrible waste of i mean it's as big a waste of time as any of this is <laughs> but you know it's not out of i i, I kind of think that george is inviting us to think about that yeah, the, the thing about a lot of these tinfoil theories is that some of them are just not based on a fucking shred of textual evidence. Um, but there are some theories that, I mean, that are, like, very heavily um, hinted at and supported by hints in the text. And the whole, yeah, I mean, the Maester Conspiracy thing, <coughs> the Maester Conspiracy is one of the most, like, well-supported crazy theories because Marwin just flat out says it. Yeah. So, the tricky part is, like, well, in what ways is it true? Because he is quite vague. Like, he just says, oh, the based is... Just another know. hallmark of conspiracy theory. And, like, everything he kind of says is ad hoc. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, oh, this happened because they did this. Well, a, a, a good conspiracy theory is unfalsifiable, right? And, like, Marwin is so fucking vague. But the thing is, like, he's, he's a high-up maester himself. So he, if anyone should know, it would be him. And Marwin is clearly like a capable dude, and he's like studied weird books and travelled, and he's been to he's been to a shy, right? Yeah. He hooked up with Miriam Azdur. This yeah. guy's seen some stuff. Um, so maybe he's right. But but like specifically with the Harrenhal Council. So so why would the Maesters choose Viserys instead of Lenor? Uh, Viserys' dragon is dead. Yeah. But won't his kids just have dragons? Not if you marry him to a high tower. Mm. Although we see that, you know, his four children with her do all have dragons. But I think the idea is, well, we we just have to stop them doing incest. (laughs) But I, I think it's not entirely driven by the dragons thing, because Rhaenys is married to Corlys Velaryon. And Corlys also represents a power core of, you know, Valyri- old Valyrian power over Westeros. Yeah. Whereas the Maces are probably more interested in that not happening. Although Valerians don't have dragons. I, I mean, until Lainor. Yeah. Until Lainor. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not like, it's not like, a, 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 it's, it's not. Choosing Viserys doesn't mean that the Targaryens and dragons are all gone, but it may be I a think way it's a to. Step towards it. It's a step in the right direction, yeah. But I mean, you know, it also is plausible that people would choose Viserys over Lenor anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, it was quite clear, like, from the description of this council in the books, that Viserys was the most popular Although, all along. Who's giving us the description? Well, yeah. The book was written <laughs> by a maester. And a septon. Yeah. And yeah. a fucking weirdo. <laughs> I mean, that's one of the whole weird things about Fire and Blood in general is that it's it's written by maesters and and septons and like old town high tower people, and yet the Greens, the high towers, seem as or more evil as the Blacks yeah. in Fire and Blood. Yeah. So when people talk about the whole like maester bias, like I mean, if you get really persnickety about individual details, like maybe, but like overall, I don't see a whole lot of pro green, pro old town, pro high tower yeah, bias because in the books. If when you read the book, Aegon does not come off as a lovely chap. Yeah. <clears throat> and like the blacks don't either, but like 
but like the, like they seem equal. It doesn't you know? seem disproportionate. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. seem disproportionate, and like. So, are we saying that the Blacks and Rhaenyra are the heroes and that the Maesters besmirched them by making them seem as bad as the villainous Aegon? Well, oh, no, I shouldn't talk about what happened. No, we- spoiler zone. Yeah, we'll, we'll, get, we'll, get, we'll get to the spoiler zone. But, um, yeah, I, I, I'm not super convinced. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we have to save this for the spoiler zone, honestly. Yeah. Maybe we should just move into the spoiler zone. Uh, is there anything we can talk about without doing that? Not really. Um, talk about blood, blood raven skin changing the fucking. Well, well, this one I like. This one I like because, like in in episode, what was it three with the, with the boar? Yeah, Rhaenyra gets attacked by a boar and she proceeds to uh, stab it to death, which is reminiscent of the boar that kills Robert in Game of Thrones. I guess. Um, and some people theorize that the boar that killed Robert was being controlled by blood right. raven he does the three call it, crow. It, he does stab it in the eye so it's one-eyed and he calls it a bastard oh i didn't even know that yeah, it's a one-eyed bastard oh that's cool because blood raven is also a one-eyed oh bastard. i guess he is i'm explaining it for the viewers oh, gliders. <laughs> <laughs> the sass my god uh because blood raven is like an edgy anime character in the books he's like the you turned Aemon up to 11. He is so much like Aemon, yeah. Um, and he's the one who they turned into Max von Sydow. That's eventually. actually um, Stuart uh, Rogers right there. Trust Glidus to know the name of the actor who, who played, played Blood Raven for a grand total of three minutes <laughs> in season four. Well, I, I committed to memory because he's actually really good and I wish they kept him. Really? Yeah. Interesting take. <clears throat> you didn't like him. I don't know. I mean, we saw so little of him that yeah. I don't have a strong opinion. I thought that the, he gave off, like, way more ethereal vibes. But it's probably more to do with the way they framed him than, you know, the actor's, the actor's um, prowess at doing the role. Max von Sydow is obviously a master, but I just thought there was nothing wrong with this guy. Yeah. I mean, he do- he, do- he does look like he's been... In that tree, for yeah. Whereas hundred years, whereas season six, three eyed crow just looks like an old dude. Well, it's like I, I feel like Max von Sydow could have at least like gotten a month's beard before yeah. he took on this like, role. He looks you know? clean shaven. You should not be That's clean five shaven. Five o'clock shadow. What is <laughs> he that? He just came back from the office. What is that? <laughs> Surely a prosthetic beard, yeah. like a big Santa Claus beard. But anyway, so like Blood Raven is is a, is a skin changer who can control animals, and he likes to manipulate political events from afar. He's a Machiavellian manipulator, so some people think that he might have controlled the boar that killed Robert Baratheon, and some people think that he might have sent the direwolf that had the direwolf pups to the Starks. He's which like kickstarted the entire plot of the series. Yeah, which you know, given who Blood Raven is as a magical political manipulator, kind of makes a lot of sense. Um, so similarly. <laughs> Kind of similarly. Uh, I mean, we know that skin changes and green seers... If you get your longest bow... If, yeah, get your longest bow for a real reach. Um, Blood Raven, we know... I mean, green seers can affect things across time. Like, you know, Bran... Bran got a reaction out of Ned through the Weirwoods in book five. I suppose he did. They can affect time and space and in season six... Does Blood Raven think that Bran is a more powerful green seer than he is? Yeah, I think that might be part of their conflict in the Winds of Winter. Yeah, because, you know, if he thinks that and Bran is only able to make Ned go, huh? <laughs> then, you know, saying that Bloodraven can warg a boar from 170 years ago, I don't know. It seems like that 
that he wouldn't think Bran is more powerful than him. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So to, so to clarify, like like in book five, Blood Raven tells Bran you can't change time, mm. but then Bran goes and does that, um, and so maybe Bran is a more powerful green seer. Oh, that could just be Blood Raven trying to make him not. Yeah, I, I think a very decent interpretation of the of Blood Raven's words is Blood Raven isn't saying it's impossible to change time with green sight. He's just saying it's a really fucking bad idea to change time through green sight. That could be it, yeah. I mean, if we want to break out our um, grade nine English class, um, the Great Gatsby like has the stuff about like, oh, you can't change back time. Yeah. Well, of course you can. And like the Great Gatsby is about the folly of Gatsby trying to recreate the past and trying to change yeah. the past. And um, maybe Blood Raven has a similar vibe of like, because, you know, he has the- I had never considered comparing Brendan Rivers <laughs> <laughs> to Great Gatsby. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, I think I think that's, it, that's a good one. I uh, like that. Yeah, because it, it's it's a classic theme, and I think you know, and Blood who's, Raven. Who's the Tom Buchanan in this scenario? <laughs> um, Hodor. Um, Probably be um, Daron. Anyway, because Blood Raven has all this pathos for his lost loves and family, and can't get it back. So, so maybe Blood Raven therefore totally can change the past. And an example of him changing the past is taking over the boar to try and gore Rhaenyra to prevent the conflict that happens with Rhaenyra. So that Aegon is the undisputed heir. Or maybe, well, well, maybe that's why Blood Raven thinks time travel is bad. Because as a result of his boar meddling... No, alright. Are we going into the spoiler zone? Okay, so, alright, so what if Blood Raven sent the White Heart... Ah, uh, okay. That told everyone. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So Blood that Raven made is... Rhaenyra think that she actually should be queen. And Blood Raven did that because he thought Rhaenyra would be a good queen. Or because he wanted to cause conflict between her and Rhaenyra. See, the, the wonderful thing here is that we don't know Blood Raven's motivations at all. So he, he could have done anything for any reason. That's why he's <laughs> such great <laughs> theory fodder. <laughs> I, li- I like to think that he sent the boar to kill Rhaenyra and sent the White Heart to support Rhaenyra in the same day. If he can time travel, would he have failed? What if Bloodraven sent the boar and Bran sent the White Heart? Oh. <laughs> and Quaith sent Viserys the dream about <laughs> Aegon. But then Euron... Anyway... Well, Quaith walked into Vega to kill Arax. Ah... Oh. But then Marwyn used his glass candle to... It's like the theory generator is sitting in, in the same call as me. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think of what other animals are in the House of the Dragon that could have been... The rats. Chains. The rats are controlled by Urathon Nightwalker. <laughs> <laughs> ah, who's mentioned once. Well, Urathon's more associated with turtles, isn't he? Aren't the tortoises with the... Were they Urathon's tortoises? I don't know what you're talking about. This, this literally might be the most obscure line tortoises? in- Yeah, it, well, it's in the same paragraph as Urathon- Really? Nightwalker, yeah. Th- there are tortoises in the garden of the thing. Um, <laughs> how do you spell Urathon? It's as it sounds. Uh, <laughs> Urathon. U- Urathon's probably an ironborn, by the way. 
It does sound like it because it's um, the only other time. Phantom tortoises have been seen carrying messages between the windowless houses on the Warlock's Way. That's and all the rats are chewing off their tails. Laris confirmed. Laris is Urathon Nightwalker. Laris is Urathon Nightwalker, which means Laris is Ironborn, which means he'll walk a squid. I'm going to... All right, let's redirect this. Because I was about to jump into a half-hour discussion on the relationship between the Ironborn and the First Men and walking and all that shit. We don't have time for that. Um, (laughs) So, what do we do now? I I think that we um, put Bloodraven skin change to the boar into E-tier. Okay, <laughs> you can do that. <laughs> would you like? Would you like to enter the spoiler zone? And we should probably uh, rank the uh, rigging of the election, right? Yeah. Um. I, yeah. I guess doing the dance is uh, that's something we can talk about later. Rigging the election. I mean, I think the line in the books about they never revealed the vote is very suggestive, and George put it there for a yeah, reason. Yeah. Like, why else would you put that there? Why yeah. else would you tell us that they never revealed the vote? And there absolutely is, like, spooky maester shenanigans in Hot Day Season 1. Like, it seems like Melos is colluding with Otto. Um, I I think maester conspiracy stuff is afoot to some extent. I don't think they'll make a big deal of it in the show, but I I think maesters rigging Harrenhal is is a perfectly reasonable theory. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, Before the spoiler zone, we can talk about Viserys equals Viserys. Yeah, would you like to explain the Viserys equals Viserys theory? So, um, the Viserys from Game of Thrones, Daenerys' brother who Drogo kills in episode 6, is the same person as King Viserys in House of the Dragon. They are the same Viserys, and that's why I love them both. Mm. And so I actually don't have to choose. It's very convenient for me, personally. So your favourite characters in this <laughs> both world shows. are and both of the yeah, They're the same person. <laughs> I, I can believe these actually are your favourite two characters. I in think they are. Westeros. I think yeah. they might be. N- not in Westeros, in Game of Thrones and House of the Dragon, respectively. Because Viserys in A Song of Ice and Fire isn't as appealing to me as um, Harry Lloyd. He's a bit more just straight monstrous in the yeah, books, isn't he? Whereas it? I think Harry Lloyd brings some nuance to Viserys in Game of Thrones. He's a good actor. He's wonderful. So, so what are some similarities? I mean, Viserys in Game of Thrones. Are the are you gonna? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He gets a crown of gold. He gets molten gold poured on his face. Yeah, and it like um, solidifies over his face. It's like he's wearing a mask, <gasps> a mask made of gold, of gold, and it also like deforms him as well. Whereas Viserys in House of the Dragon, he gets a mask made of gold. If I could find the picture right now. I could have uh, drawn that out a bit longer for you. (laughs) Could you say gold for a bit? Gold! I'm getting- Beautiful gold! I was getting Matt Berry vibes. Oh, I was doing the prospector from The Simpsons. Oh, okay. Viserys and Viserys wearing gold masks. So what happened clearly is that... And it's the same side of their face as well. Is that Viserys is a warg and when Viserys died, Viserys skin changed into Viserys. Yes. I'm not going to say which Viserys. Both. Both. They walked into each other. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That's cool. So it's an infinite samsara cycle of Viserys. 
And that's why uh, Viserys's life is so plagued with, you know, dreams of a forthcoming war is because he's already lived life as Viserys and he knows that Viserys is going to have to deal with the ramifications of Viserys's actions. <laughs> and that's why Viserys is so erratic. Yeah. Both of Viserys. Viserys? <laughs> that's the plural of Viserys. <laughs> Cetor in the live chat just said, truly viceramilitude. Oh my god. That's incredible, Cetor. Viceramilitude. Viscera- yeah, viceramilitude. Wow, I wow. love it. Um, well, I'm putting viceris equals viceris into S tier. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't even bear questioning. Uh, these, are, these are some theories that I have not heard anywhere else. I'm, I'm proud that we've got so many... <laughs> Uh, crackpot fun theories that I've not heard anywhere else. That's pretty. That's pretty. That's yeah. pretty cool. Would you Would you like to enter the spoiler zone? We have entered. Well, we're on the threshold of the spoiler we zone. Are, we stand at the very precipice of spoiler zone. Of the spoiler zone. Um, warning. Spoiler warning. We're gonna talk. We can talk about anything. Anything at all. Did you know that Snape kills Dumbledore? That's the joke I use whenever I bring up spoilers. I probably... Because that's like the famous spoiler. Probably took it from you. No. Uh, Spoiler zone. We are now going to talk about theories. Do you think... You should probably answer some super chats first. Oh, fine. Let's do the the money zone first. We'll do a speed round of some super chats first. You know that's a lie. Um, Daemon choked Queen Rhaenyra... He wouldn't touch Viserys. This is from Saint in the super chat. Uh, yes. Thank you for the super chat from Saint, who says that, you know, Daemon attacked Rhaenyra, but wouldn't attack Viserys. Yeah. I I, I mean, I, one of the writers said something along the lines of Viserys was the person who Daemon loved more than anyone. And I think that's more than Rhaenyra, you know? Absolutely. So, yeah, I think Daemon does love and respect Viserys more than his wife Rhaenyra. I think that now that Viserys is dead... Damon is, I mean, I think we've already seen how he acts towards Rhaenyra um, since then. But the other way it could have gone is that, you know, Rhaenyra is, in Damon's eyes, like the last thing left of Viserys that's un... Um, how would you say? Phil, well, you know... Not dead? Besmirched by Hightower meddling. <laughs> right. Damon's like the last pure Targaryen. Well, Rhaenyra is like the last thing left of Viserys. Right, in Damon's yeah. eyes. Right, right, right. But we saw that he doesn't exactly treat her with the same reverence he treated his brother. Yeah. Partly because she doesn't do what he wants. Yeah. It's like, very frustrating for him. Like, maybe, yeah, when your spouse has free will. Um, it's like, because I think Damon maybe thought that he could control Rhaenyra. And he could, like, influence her to do wars when he wants to do wars. But he's finding out that she doesn't, you know? Um, and Daemon doesn't react to not getting what he wants well. Mmm. So, yeah, he sucks. Thanks for the super chat from Suki Akari, who says... <sighs> yeah, look, it's... You know you know the Simpsons bit when they're like, but say the line. <laughs> it's like this. It's cruel at a certain point. Um, look, I'm all sung out. I, I've got nothing left in me. Yeah. Because I belted Mr. Brightside at, <laughs> at 11 volume last night. Yeah, look, thank you for the super chat, but we're not going to sing the Secret yeah, Tunnel song. Sorry. All right the people now. sleeping currently can continue sleeping. We don't want to wear it out. Thanks for the super chat from Widdino, who That's says, 
Did the Children of the Forest create the Valyrians to destroy the White Walkers and summon the Doom to save the world? Children created the Valyrians to destroy the... I mean, the White Walkers are old, like supposedly 8,000 years old. Mm. The Valyrians might not be that old. Yeah, um, in the World of Ice and Fire, isn't the estimate that they've been around like a thousand years or something like that? Is it the World of Ice and Fire? I think it's the World of Ice and Fire. Didn't they like destroy geese and geese was older than a thousand years? I thought you meant geese like the birds. Every time, I should say geese, shouldn't I? I think everyone else says old geese. I say geese. No, I say geese as well. It just, I feel like it should be geese. I wasn't expecting you to be talking about it. So I was like, what are they doing hunting geese like on a parkland? No one expects geese. And like, that's actually quite a difficult uh, feat to do battle with that many geese. Geese feet. Wow. Flippers. Um, All right. Before I start just free associating, (laughs) um, children do like nature magic. They don't do like human fiery yeah like breeding magic or whatever the fuck they did i i i kind of like the idea that like it's specifically the targaryens who can control i mean i mean there are several dragon riding families in valyria not anymore well they were like i feel like the valyrians created dragon riders with their hybridization magic Um, and maybe they, maybe they did that to destroy the others. And I think that might be, um, a parallel with the children create, I mean, per Game of Thrones, the children created the others through hybridization magic between a first man and the fucking weird dragon glass thing that Leaf shoves into his chest. Yeah. Yeah. Which to me doesn't (laughs) sit right. Like the way that they did that. Cause where did the ice come in? You know? Like they put a they put a fiery rock in a human, uh-huh. and then an ice demon came out. Yeah, um, yeah. I I I do. I think David Lightbringer talks a lot about his theory is that the White Walkers come from the Weirwoods, and I think there might be something in that, like the Weirwoods being this sort of pale, cold, yeah. shadowy business. Um, so maybe it's the Weirwoods that the White Walkers come anyway, from. The Weirwoods are the humans. dark gods of the North. Yeah. Which I think is also wording used to describe the others. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know if I can imagine the children creating the Valyrians. Because I, I feel like Valyrian origins come more from the Great Empire of the Dawn and from dragons and blood magic, which I feel like is more of an Eastern Valyrian situation although to be fair i mean in the kingdom of the ifaqueveron there are children oh of the goodness. forest in the east imagine being able to pull off ifaqueveron on your first <laughs> attempt i don't think i've ever said that out loud look when you walk into a club and say ifaqueveron you better believe i, I love how angry you get every time i bring up obscure eastern <laughs> law here we go uh, fucking thousand islands here we go you get so mad every time i bring up the uh, bloodstone emperor um yeah, I think, look, I think there's a lot of, look, I was surprised when Game of Thrones said that the Children of the Forest created the White Walkers. Mm. So, maybe anything's possible. Do you think the Children summoned the Doom? No. I think that's more a story of the hubris of men. You know, there's that conspiracy theory about the faceless men destroying Valyria. Yeah. I don't like that very much. 
I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't get down to that. I don't boogie on the dance floor to that theory. You put that theory on over the loudspeakers, and I'm not getting up. I'm not doing the Charleston <laughs> zero boogie from Gladys. And and I, yeah, and and is that because? Um, I think the story is better as a you know a hubris of man um, tale. But was it not Valyrian hubris to enslave the people in the Fourteen Flames, which gave <sighs> rise to the? Faceless man. I think that's like a degree obscured from the point, because you know y- you talk a lot about how dragons, you know, magic is a hilt, a hilt without a blade, and you know, sock it to me. Um, Ramayana ding dong. <laughs> um, so what did you say about free association before? <laughs> <laughs> and I think it, it's just more direct. If it's the volcanoes themselves, if it's the dragons themselves that yeah. cause their downfall, rather than the faceless men doing question mark. Yeah, we played with fire, so we died by fire. Yeah. As opposed to, we enslaved some people who started a cult who hired some and- assassins with Lannister gold to kill the sorcerers who made the volcanoes not explode, so they yeah. exploded. Yep, I agree. I mean, that said, there is a very, very... A uh, strong thing in book four when the kindly man says that, you know, the faceless man would come for the Valyrians, but that's another story. Something along those lines. That is very loaded. Yeah. Thanks for the super chat from Kirk and from Nick, who says, I never have money to give. Lol, you guys keep it up. Um, Hold on to your money if you need to, please. <laughs> yeah. I mean, food's good. Thanks for the super chat from CGP, Jordan Garrett. Who says, you guys are both legends of your craft. I, I assume you mean the crafts of um, uh, horse theorizing. I thought he meant underwater basket weaving. Yeah, because that's, 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 that's what really pays the yeah. bills. Um, this is just a side hustle. Thanks for the super chat from Suki Akari, who says, and all right, we are in the spoiler zone. Spoiler zone, spoiler zone. Spoilers for House of the Dragon you season two. You have entered the spoiler zone. You are deep in the spoiler zone. You have been warned. Oh, not just season two. We're going all the way, baby. Anything in any of the books. Yeah. So potentially any future and past shows. NCIS season fourteen <laughs> is on the table for spoilers. Spoiler warning. JD and Elliot get married. <laughs> have you seen NCIS? No. Okay. I've just pulled scrubs out of my ass. Okay, good. <laughs> Wait, that would really hurt. Um, <laughs> Tsukikari says, Have you heard the theory that Aemon slash Alice bastard married into house went and therefore... I have heard this one. Sansa is descended from Alicent. This theory is solely based on Alicent's vaguely red wig. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, no, but I have heard the... Um, Ali- I, I, I think when I've heard this theory before... Alison had nothing to do with it. It was more about Alice. And even then, it's like, well, the Lothstons and the Wents are already spooky enough. But I, I think it makes sense for, you know, Alice Rivers, her spookiness being carried on to them as rulers of Harrenhal. I think it just lines up. Yeah, George well. loves nothing more than having blood connections between spooky nutcases. Spooky redheaded women. And, and, and yeah, so, so like, like, so what was her name? Went, the crazy Went woman was like the ruler of House Went who were in Harrenhal and she was a redhead and she liked to eat people I think that's allegedly. That's Danelle Lothston. Mad Danelle Lothston. And oh, like, her was... descendants became the Wents. Oh, but wait, it. 
do the wins come from Lothstone? Oh, no, I, I, I might be wrong. I might be making it up. I'm pretty sure that there's a connection there. Are the Wents redheads? Catelyn's mother was a Went. I think that's all we know. And and that's enough to make this theory? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, lo- I love how Tsuki Ikari not only paid $10 to tell us this, but <laughs> told us that this theory is, quote, nuts while telling it to us. For $10. Tsuki Ikari also said Rhaenyra is a parallel to the Amethyst Empress. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, you, you did the thing, Tsuki Ikari. No, 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 Glidus no, 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 gets no, no, no. mad when you, you bring up I, Eastern I, Law. I think you've missed the point. The Amethyst Im- Empress is a parallel to Rhaenyra or to even like Daenerys. They're all parallels to each other. Yeah. The, the Amethyst Empress is an Eastern legend about a woman who was killed by her own brother and may have started the Long Night. And it's like the original sin. It's like Azorai and Nissa Nissa. It's like the fuck up that caused the apocalypse. And I guess, you know, Daemon being choked by Rhaenyra and then spoilers, spoilers, spoilers for House of the Dragon. And then Rhaenyra being <laughs> eaten by zone. Sunfire. I feel bad saying it, even yeah. though we're in the spoiler zone. Yeah. Spoiler zone. I don't think we've ever actually talked about what happens. I, I think we've repeatedly <laughs> threatened to do a spoiler zone. And this is the first time we've ever actually done a spoiler yeah. zone. So, spoilers, spoilers. But when Rhaenyra dies and gets eaten by Sunfire. What? And, uh, I know. <laughs> We're going to get so many angry comments now for spoiling You should have said! So, are we saying that the sacrifice of Rhaenyra into Sunfire's gullet... Started I mean, that, the long night? Yeah, it didn't start anything. That was just the sad, wet I, fart I, at the end of the Civil War. You, called, you could call it, like, a like kind of long night for Targaryens, because it's like Ooh. the dragons begin to die off, and it is that's a long the night. source of their mm. power. It, it's, that's a stretch. I don't hate it. Thanks for the super chat from Brian, who you says... raise your standards. Hightower lore is good and all, but I'm still confused. <laughs> <laughs> what colour does the Great Lantern burn when they call their banners for war? I didn't hate that. No, yeah, I, I saw some people say, like, this is, like, such um, blatantly over-the-top exposition. It's like, no, well, how the fuck else were you supposed to know what the green dress meant? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, did you want to cut to the high tower, hundreds of miles away? Here's what you do: you cut to the um, Game of Thrones DVD extra. (laughs) You just play a history and law segment where Pycelle explains, (laughs) 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 like in the middle of this scene, in the middle of the wedding. (laughs) If if these writers were competent, Laris would have simply pulled out an iPod video (laughs) and would have shown Harwin. Hey, it would have produced a zoom from (laughs) Hammerspace. Microsoft Zune with all the special features ripped from the Game of Thrones DVD and would have said, here, the Hightower beacon is green and that's why Alison's dress is green. I I think he should have made direct eye contact with the camera when he said this. (laughs) And I think he also should have said, check out the HBO viewers guide at hbo.com for more. Do you think it's wildfire? Yeah, it's it's interesting, isn't it, that there's green fire on mm. the Hightower Beacon. Is it wildfire? I don't see why it would be. Like, wildfire is... The alchemists have been around for a very long time. They apparently predate the Mangsters. Yeah, they're an ancient institution. Um, and the Hightower is, at least currently, Leighton Hightower supposedly does magic yeah, with it's... his mad maid Melora. Yep. 
So, like, I mean, that's one of the sort of ironies. Like, people talk about this maester conspiracy to wipe yeah. out the dragons and wipe out magic and wipe out prophecy. And yet, uh, Leighton Hightower, the Lord of Old Town, mm. does magic. In repeatedly. my head, I always chalk that up to, like, him being the Hightower who's like, hang on a moment, let's <laughs> not do this anymore. <laughs> but I realise now that that's kind of fucking insane of me to think. But here's the other thing. Leighton Hightower, as far as we know, like, we've never seen him leave the Hightower. He's it seems like he's up there. Years. Is he trapped? Is he a prisoner of the Maesters? Oh, my God. Have the Maesters imprisoned the Lord of Hightower? How deep does this conspiracy go? It's all the way to the top. And the, of the Hightower. But, like, we, we know his daughter, Aleary Hightower, who is Mace Tyrell's wife, and she never, like, says, hey, my dad's in prison. <laughs> That's because she's been replaced by a faceless uh, man. Uh, the alchemist. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Are you telling me that the Maesters who want to eradicate magic have allied themselves with the faceless men? Because you got to use magic to fight magic, man. <laughs> And since the faceless men are enemies of Valyrians, it's a natural, like, enemy of my enemy is my ally. Doesn't explain why the alchemist needs to steal the key to get into the Citadel, though. Oh, my God. It's like a mouse trap. (laughs) I'm having so much fun making (laughs) aggressively bad theories um, to aggravate everybody. You can see why people do it. Old Shiftex would never have the, the courage to um, make up theories this bad. No. Thanks for the super chat. for April Fools, I guess. Do you know how to pronounce this name, Glotus? Um, I think you should just give it your best shot. I'm so sorry. Aspor Loki... No, 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 that's not a P, it's a thorn. That's a th. It's, it's Asthor. Asthor Loki Runarsen. I, you, told, you told me to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Knowing full well how to pronounce it. You monster. Uh, thanks to the super chair from Asthor, who says, All right, you guys, here it goes. Bloodraven wargs back in time into Vagar to make her kill Luceris and nudge the war into action. Sure. D- did I say that earlier? I think you did. I think you said someone walks into Vega. Thanks for the super chat from Zaverna, who says, The Great Empire of the Dawn sounds like Battlestar Galactica. All that has happened before will happen again. Yeah. Yeah, George has a lot of um, as above, so below going on, doesn't he? I think that that's something about fantasy, like, like all fantasy, like kind of by definition is tapping into archetypes and stories and, you know, heroes journeys and like certain patterns that are in like all fantasy stories. So I think there's always well, going to be repetition. began as folklore. That's yeah. what fantasy is. Yeah, it, it, it is our intuitions about the world and the order of the world. And like archetypes are, you know, what mythology is. Oh, God, that's going to get comments, isn't it? I mean, it, it, like, it's, it's more wibbly-wobbly than that, obviously. <laughs> Look, as someone who read the Wikipedia page about Joseph Campbell's A Hero with a Thousand Faces, I feel oh. very qualified to speak about what all human cultures believe. Well, you read the whole Wikipedia page? Oh, I skimmed it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, look. I set him up, you knock him down. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen Battlestar Galactica, so I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm willing to agree with you. Uh, yes, <laughs> we agree with you. <laughs> I don't know. Gunnar, thanks for the super chat, says Nissa Nissa was the last dragon of the Great Empire sacrificed to stop the White Walkers. The children made the White Walkers to stop the dragons from burning the trees. Uh, 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 
Wait. That, there's, there's a, that's a very dense sentence, yeah. Gunnar. You should make a 90-minute essay about this. If I had a dragon and I was trying to stop the White Walkers, I would use the dragon to kill the White Walkers. Wouldn't that be simpler than sacrificing the dragon? Um, the last dragon of the Great Empire. So there were other dragons that the Great Empire didn't control at the time? No, it was like the last dragon that existed. So if dragons went extinct, how, how did dragons come back? Well, how did dragons come back in the way that we know? Daenerys yeah. rebirthed them. They okay. They petrified eggs. All right. So, so maybe like there just were no dragons at the time because there are cycles of magic. Well, and- yeah, magic leaves the world and returns. And it makes sense that, you know, White Walkers being, it seems, magical in nature... When they die, so too would other magical things. No? But, I mean, what Gunnar's proposing is that there were lots of White Walkers causing a ruckus at a time when there were no dragons to fight the White Walkers. Right. And, and I mean, like, the whole, I mean, Azor Ahai, like, killed Nissan. Nis- I mean, it was his wife. What's Azor Ahai in this? Another dragon? Uh... But that, wouldn't that make him the last dragon? <laughs> Was he the dragon rider? Well, I'm imagining that Azor Ahai was, was human and Nissa Nissa was a dragon. And them being husband and wife... That's the fucking... The, the blood of the dragon Targaryen bestiality things we didn't want to talk about earlier because it would demonetize the live stream. It's that! <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, look, maybe he married a dragon and then... I mean, people talk about the Night's King marrying a white walker. Why the fuck not? I do have a bit of a bone to pick with the Night's King. Yeah, because it everyone... much more sounds like he's married a wife. Yeah. And um, I think, was it Preston Jacobs recently said that it, so- it also sounds like he could have just married a wildling. What? Even though, well, because I can't remember his reasoning. <laughs> I think I was, I was on that live stream when he was talking about it. Was it because like her, uh, her skin is cold as ice? Yeah, well, she yeah. came from north of the wall where it's cold. Yeah, why not? I, it calls him. It, it calls her a corpse bride. Yeah, it's fucking a maester propaganda. <laughs> okay, okay, bro. <laughs> okay, okay. Rhaenyra's not actually fat. The children made the White Walkers to stop the dragons burning trees. I, I don't think White Walkers look like a tool that you'd use to kill dragons. Like, you don't fight dragons with ice. That seems like a bad plan. I think people are mixing up um, when exactly things occurred in the timeline. Yeah. Although Great Empire could have been... I don't I don't care about the Great Empire for the dawn. <laughs> All right. We're, that's as long as we're going to get Gliders to talk about the Great Empire. Uh, Penitent Stance, thanks for the super chat, um, talks about Doctor Who. Do you want to go to the spoiler zone theories? Yeah. So... Uh, these super chats are just stacking up. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so many of them. <laughs> yeah. You're going to have to do a speed round later. Yeah. Oh. But let's do some spoiler zone from the list. Okay. Let's do a spoiler zone from the list. Um, Mazaria. Oh, we didn't talk about that. <laughs> Mazaria is Melisandre. Um... Well, what, what's the thinking there? Um, Mazaria and Melisandre both have slavery in their backstory. Uh-huh. Melisandre is very old. She's um, older than Mazaria is. Older than Mazaria, according older. to Carice Van Houten, at yeah. least. Um, Mazaria could be like 
I mean, Mazzari doesn't seem very magically inclined. No. In fact, like, just kind of extrapolating from her positions, it would seem as though she's, you know, quite against the usage of magic. Yeah? Yeah, I mean, think about, you know, the Targaryens are probably the most magical living people in Westeros. I mean, aside from Greenseers, but that kind of stuff is pretty bl- pretty below the board, right? No one... No one's vocal about that. Are you ignoring Piat Pri? <laughs> My main man, Pratt, Piat did I, Pri? Did I not say Westeros? <laughs> well, they're connected. They're the same continent. Oh, my God. <laughs> I derailed you. Um, you yeah, know, I, I just... I think that someone who stands up for the rights of normal people mm. probably isn't going to be too interested in... Um, yeah, yeah, I agree. Because Mazzari is, like, grounded. Yeah. Right? Like, Mazzari is... Everything she's done is, like, you know, hang on, I'm normal, and what's going on here is fucking insane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally agree with you. Like, I, that, Mazzari's role in this story... Is to be normal. <laughs> is to be the most normal character, who's like, hey, hang on a minute. Like, you just said that I'm pregnant and gonna marry you, and neither of those things are true. It didn't even occur to Damon that that's a little weird. (laughs) Yeah, right? He's like, yeah, of course I said. But yeah, because this show is about a family that's so fucked up that, like, siblings are marrying each other and all this crazy stuff is happening. That's just what happens. And that's just normal. And Mazaria's here to be like, hang on, you're sharpening children's teeth (laughs) so they can attack each other in a pit? That's not okay. She's the one person who's saying that's not okay. Um, and the, and the way that she's just like ignored and discarded shows how morally deranged the Targaryens are. Yeah, I like that reading of Missaria. Now Melisandre is very different. Melisandre like goes out of her way to indulge in as much magic as possible, and she mm. sways Stannis Bar- uh, Baratheon to do lots of magic to do fucked up things. It's basically the opposite of what Missaria does. She's the opposite of grounded. She bases her yeah. truth on visions and interpretation and like prophecy and far from protecting children, she tries to sacrifice Edric Storm. Mm. So and in the show, she you know f- gets Stannis to kill Shireen. Yeah, yeah. So so while Mazaria protects children, Melisandre kills children. Which so how are they the same person? I mean, if you, if you want to be really generous, um, you could say that Melisandre changed over you know centuries. Um, that makes sense. And like she, you get the sense from Melisandre's chapter that she sort of learned magic in order to survive. You know. Yeah. Um, she had to adapt. You know, I mean, we see Mazaria change yeah, so she, much. She's even a survivor. This... Didn't um, the actress whose yeah. name I'm about to butcher? Sonoya Mizuno. <laughs> I wasn't. I was. That's what I was going to say. I may also have butchered it. I just said it confidently. <laughs> that's the trick. Yeah. She's very good, by the way. Have you seen Ex Machina? Yeah, and Devs. Yeah, she's brilliant. So whoever's put I don't off... know why they got her to do... To invent a new way of speaking words. I think in each scene that she's in, <laughs> she's she got a completely invents... brand new accent, hitherto f- unknown by science. <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it would be astonishing, like scientifically, if it weren't interrupting my dragon show. Yeah. So as much as we dislike uh, aspects of Sonoya's performance, we do love her. Oh, she's brilliant in other stuff. But 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 yeah, Melisandre. 
Mizaria is someone who changes and adapts. She goes from a sex worker to a prince's consort to a spy master over the course of 10 episodes. So if she continues at that rate of evolution, why not become a relorist witch if she discovers magic and learns about the White Walkers and then goes, oh shit, maybe those crazy Targaryens who I was involved with, regrettably, Mm. maybe they were right about some stuff. Yeah. And, you know, like, at the end of House of the Dragon season one, Mazaria appears to be burned to death by Laris in a house fire. We're but in the spoiler zone. Spoilers! Um, <laughs> Mazaria's not dead in, in the books at this point. So, um, so, so, you know, maybe almost being burned alive in a house is what turns Mazaria that, towards that is, that's fire a very good magic. Point. I had completely forgotten that that might affect the way she thinks about stuff. Fire. <laughs> and, like- And blood! <laughs> and blood and like maybe maybe Mazaria does get burned in the fire like she escapes and survives the fire but it burns her and changes her face and so she learns skin faceless glamours to look like Carice Van Houten oh. maybe Mazaria will be oh played by God. Carice Van Houten in season 2 she had spoken about joining the show hasn't she would that not ah! be cool <laughs> would that not be cool Damn, because as soon as I saw that article about her, you know, expressing interest in House of the Dragon, I was like, no, 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 But now you've made it make sense. I hate it when you do this. I mean, look, Mazaria is still a character known as Mazaria. Yeah. Later on in the books. So, it would be a bit weird if everyone in Westeros was just 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 rolled with Mazaria looking like Carice Van Houten suddenly. <laughs> no, there would have to be like, Mazaria's dead now and now she's Melisandre. I mean, they could say that, you know, the mantle of the white worm has been taken on by someone else. I guess. And also, I mean, like, Mazaria is someone who operates from the shadows indirectly, you know? Yeah. So she could look different, but still operate from the shadows as the same person. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's not the worst thing I've heard. Yeah, I, I was expecting it to be the worst thing I'd have heard, but it's not. Which is upsetting to me. I was like, this is really um, shaken my evening. Yeah, I was also pretty ready to dismiss that theory, but... Um, and then you reasoned yourself into liking it. Look, I stopped myself from doing the Walter White quote about uh, change, growth, then transformation. Mm. So, um, consider yourself lucky, viewers. Um, hey, there's a super chat from John T. Savage who says, I really like that band Materia. Do you? Ah, they're played out. They're played out. You don't want to tell the people about Materia? Well, it's my my rock band and we we make rock band music together. Where can the people find (laughs) your rock band music? Ah, probably somewhere on the internet. Um, I think I've put links in our previous... In our last live stream, and also in um all of my recent videos, <laughs> recent videos, who, <laughs> um, you know, the, the the ones I've done most recently, let's say, <laughs> we will put links in the vod oh, to Gladys's rock band. Um, yeah, we released an album a month ago called Everything Ends, and it's lots of fun. I think awesome. Check it out in the links in the VOD. You don't have to, but I'd like it if you did. Another super chat from NZ Meta, who's, who asks what's oh, going on with your band. So, the you. people are keen. Thank you for expressing interest. You know, a lot of people have sent me Spotify wraps where we're at the top, and it's like, oh. Oh, I have seen some of those. That's it is... really, um, really lovely to see. 
It is very lovely. Um, what are we doing? Um, well, you know, it's always a bit of an effort to organize four people to be in the same room um, when they have their own lives and jobs and things. And I'm the easiest one to organize because I do this for a living. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, I'm, I, I'll roll out of bed and go anywhere you want me to. Um, December and January are very difficult times to organize things through, but we have lots more songs written that we want to record and play in front of people. Awesome. Yeah. Link in the VOD. I don't think I can be any more specific than that. <laughs> Talia is Melisandre, according to the chat. Ah, no. Is it because she looks vaguely like Carice Van Houten? No, it's because of all the other things we know about her character. <laughs> yeah, the rich, detailed information that we have about I mean, Talia. You've read the viewer's guide. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's the other thing. We wouldn't even, like, know anything about her if it wasn't for that viewer's guide. Mm. That viewer's guide that is mostly useless, but occasionally drops some critically important information. Talia is a handmaiden who serves Queen Alicent. You wouldn't have known that. Yeah, that's not an example of crucial information. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't see much of a connection between Talia and Melisandre. I mean, she works for Missaria, so everything we said about Missaria also applies to her. <laughs> <laughs> Not a fan? Yeah. What if Talia becomes a new Mazaria after Mazaria dies in the fire? I hate that. Yeah. I, I regret saying I, it. I, I like Mazaria, and I think it would be cool if she remained Mazaria. Thanks for the super chat from Tsukiyakari, who says that Viserys II is actually Maelor. Ooh. Okay, so now we're getting into some spoiler zone situations. We've been in the spoiler zone for like 40 minutes. I know, but we've only sort of dipped into <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the spoilery depth. No, we're actually doing it. Ooh, you're just, Ooh. just showing, showing the people your Twitter. Ooh. Well, those are some of the lovely <laughs> tweets that people have tweeted. But what I was trying to pull up was the family tree. Ah. Oh, it's got little baby Maylor on it's it. It's got little baby Maylor. Um, so Maylor is the third child of Aegon and Helena. Or maybe Aemon's children, if we want to claim that. We'll just say Aegon. Um, whereas Viserys II is the second child of Rhaenyra and Daemon, who briefly appeared in one episode. Yeah. And spoilers, 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 spoilers. And have you heard spoilers? Spoilers. But um, after House of the Dragon, in the end, spoilers, um, everyone dies. Rhaenyra <laughs> dies. They all fucking die. They all kill each other with dragons. Except Aegon, the child of Rhaenyra and Daemon, becomes king as Aegon III. Um, and then his long lost brother Viserys, who everyone thinks is dead... Uh, returns from the east, and the two brothers have this emotional reunion. It's one. Of, it's one of my favorite moments from the book. It's really lovely. Viserys comes back, and like all the life in Aegon returns because he's like such a dour, depressed figure. Um, basically, since his mum dies, um, and then yeah, then that happens, and all the life comes rushing back to him. It's beautiful when his brother, who he thought was dead, shows up again. Like, wouldn't that? absolutely reinvigorate you because Aegon is understandably emo because all of his family murdered each other with dragons um so it's really great when Viserys comes back and what uh Tsukiyakari is saying is what if this Viserys that came back actually wasn't Viserys but was in fact baby Maelor the child of Aegon and Helena 
who we are told the way he dies. Yeah. Yeah, the the King's Guard tried to take him to safety, but they got torn apart by the mob. That's yeah. what happened to Maylor. Um so you're saying that's some other pisswater prince? Some other baby? I think he's saying he was smuggled to Essos and then pra- pretended to be Viserys. So Viserys actually did die. Yeah. Well, I I I think the story as presented is more believable than um <clears throat> than that. But I think the point that Tsukikari is saying is that it gets Alicent's grandchild on the throne. Well, ultimately. why would you want that? Well, I mean, who would want that? Like, who is the person who engineers this baby swap shenanigans? Mm. Because, like, Viserys was held by... Was it the Lee scene? Yeah. So, what does Lee have to gain from Alicent's grandchild being on the throne? Um, well, he's married to Lara. Lara Rager. Yeah. Yeah, but that's true regardless of who... Yes. The kid... Y- yes. Like, whether Although, or not the kid is secretly male. If Maylor. you tell young Aegon that, hey, this is your brother, then that's going to go down a lot better with him than saying, this is your cousin. Oh, right, yeah, right. So you're saying that, like, the light scene just happened to end up with Maelor somehow. Yes. and they were like, let's say he's Viserys. Yeah. And then, then he'll actually accept him. And Viserys does end up becoming king. Yeah, I, look, I can believe that. I think it's just a bit if of an we assume that they around. ended up with Maelor, but how would they have ended up with Maelor unless that was like their plan? Like, whose plan was it to swap? I mean, I guess someone could have swapped Maelor out for Maelor's safety in the same way that Aegon was supposedly swapped right. out. Young Griff, we got to say which Aegon? <laughs> so many Aegons. Aegon the Conqueror. Young Griff was supposedly taken to safety. Um by Varys and Illyrio to the east, so maybe Maelor was secretly taken to but safety. But that's the Viserys story. That's the Viserys the second story. That you know he was right, smuggled yeah. out to safety in Lysa. Yeah, that is kind of absurd. It, Vis- so this is why I say it's a bit of an unnecessary fuck around to make Viserys actually Maelor. And I feel like the only people who would genuinely believe this kind of thing, are, like people who desperately want to try to make. Um, a high tower descendant to the king. <laughs> yeah, green green diehards. The, the other issue with this is that if this is all a plan to get Alicent's descendant on the throne, at the time when Viserys returned to Aegon, the expectation was that Aegon would have children who would inherit the throne, which is in fact what ended up happening. Yeah. It's only like a generations of wild fuck ups yeah. that led to Viserys II becoming king. Yeah. So it never was a good or likely plan. Yeah that Viserys was going to take the throne. So, it doesn't really make sense at all. So, um, in short, nah. Should we put that on the tier list? If you'd like, yeah. Um, in the meantime, would you like to read some Super Chats? The chance? next Super Chat is from Kirk, um, who says, Bet they'll try to connect Aegon prophecy to the end of Game of Thrones. Look out for the dagger glows as if it's being uh, bringing light. Or secret talk slash Targaryen kids. Making it a light bringer. Yeah. Um, I suppose it's possible that they try to do that, but I really <clears throat> hope that Ryan Gondal just doesn't give a shit about Game of Thrones Season 8. Yeah, the less that I'm reminded of Season 8, the better. Yeah, let's just not. Hey. Yeah. The dagger is enough. And the dagger, you know, it, it, it's, it appeared throughout all of Game of Thrones. It's not just about Season 8. Yeah, I, I've had enough, like, White Walker mentions in House of the Dragon, as it is. Although, we are going to the north, and... Well, yeah. And Jace does know the 
prophecy. Yeah, so this is another good spoiler zone theory. This is a popular theory that I think makes a lot of sense. Um, do you want to describe Jace? Oh, the Sarah Snow thing. And, oh, well, Sarah Snow. But I was also thinking, like, you know, Jace has been sent to the north to get Craig and Stark to support Rhaenyra. Yeah. Um, and some people theorize that maybe Jace knows about the prophecy uh, about the White Walkers and the Targaryens having to be in charge. Right. Um, because, you know, Rhaenyra says to Jace, you are my heir now to whatever. And the prophecy is passed from um, ruler Monarch to heir. Yeah. So maybe um, off screen, Rhaenyra told Jace about, hey, there's a prophecy. White Walkers are going to come. That's why we must unite. Yeah. So therefore, when Jace goes to meet Craig and Stark, which is described in the books, spoilers, 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 <laughs> um, it, 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 in the book, it's left ambiguous how Jace convinced Cregan to support Rhaenyra. Mm. And there's a few different sort of theories in the books, but maybe, uh, but they call it the Pact of Ice and Fire yeah. in the books, the alliance between the Starks and Rhaenyra. So maybe the reason why it's called the Pact of Ice and Fire and the way that Jace convinced Cregan was by saying, hey, yo, uh, White Walkers, my mom told me that there's going to be White Walkers. Are you guys aware of that? You have this big wall, Are you- Winterfell. You- I really like the idea that Cregan's like, yeah, 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 we know. Because <laughs> Aegon told Torrin 120 years ago. <laughs> Yeah, of course I knew that. Because we've been passing it down from ruler to heir for the past 130 years. <laughs> the the idea that, like, people could actually successfully verbally pass down that kind of secret. <laughs> for centuries. Yeah. We, we, and we, keep it under wraps. <laughs> so, you did mention this earlier, we didn't fully explain it. But, mm. like, when Aegon the Conqueror, the first Targaryen, conquered Westeros, he got the Starks to submit to him. And With it's- no bloodshed. Yeah, the Starks were, like, the only people who didn't even try and fight Aegon. They were just like, okay, fine, like, we will allow you to rule us. And there are lots of theories and hints in the books about what might have happened. And one theory is that Aegon told Torrin Stark, the current king in the north, hey, we know about, like, this White Walker situation that's going to attack, and we are here to stop the White Walkers and unify everyone against White Walkers. And then Torrin could say, hey, I know about the White Walkers, because... Winterfell and the Wall. Stark secrets and all that shit. Yeah, Stark secrets that are now forgotten. Um, So the idea is that, you know, maybe that's why Tarin knelt to Aegon. And maybe in the same way, the reason why uh, Craig and Stark agrees to support Rhaenyra Targaryen is because of that same Mm. pact of ice and fire, that understanding about the prophecy. We've made the assumption that... Rhaenyra told Jace about the prophecy. Yes. What if Kraken tells Jace about it? And he's like, Mum, why didn't you tell me? <laughs> That's a great twist. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, maybe it would be funnier if, <laughs> yeah, if, if Jace came back from the north going, Mum, Mum, Torrin told me about White Walkers. <laughs> and she's like, oh. Oh, no, Jace. Thank you for telling That's me about that. That's interesting new information. <laughs> of course we should always tell each other important information that we know. <laughs> if I knew about White Walkers, I would have told you instantly. Uh, but- I-, I doubt that, but it'd be funny. <laughs> it would be very funny. What- what's the Sarah Snow thing? Uh, Sarah Snow. Um, isn't it a bastard sister of Kraken Stark? Who Mushroom writes that Jace had a fling with while he was up in Winterfell. And people go on speculate about, you know, you know, uh, Jace took his dragon up there. People love talking about dragon eggs in Winterfell. Um, you know, Targaryen blood in Stark time. You know, people roll with this kind of shit like crazy, hey. <laughs> <laughs> You're really mixing your metaphor. Um, and what if... 
Jace's dragon, Arax, no, not Vermax. Arax, Vermax. What if Vermax lays an egg in Winterfell and in the Winterfell crypts, and then Jon Snow finds Vermax's egg in the Winterfell crypts, and that's how Jon discovers his Targaryen identity in A Song of Ice and Fire, because Jon does have dreams about going into mm. the Winterfell crypts and feeling like fear and trepidation. I think it is like genuinely very likely that Jon will have a big revelation about his Targaryen identity in the crypts, and that's a dragon hatching from stone, which is another prophecy. Unfortunately, I have to remind you that- John having a revelation about his Targaryen lineage in the Winterfell crypts is exactly what happens in season eight. We we said we weren't going to talk about <laughs> season eight. I'm describing something. I'm sorry, I'm describing something good yeah. that I like. No, that is wonderful. Um, <clears throat> how how are you sure it's going to be a Jace egg and not an Alysanne egg? Yeah, it could have been Alysanne's dragon, Silverwing. When she was up there. But, I mean, Silverwing... I mean, I mean, it's kind of a silly reason, but Silverwing is a big dragon and Vermax is a little dragon. Oh, that is a really silly reason. Well, the crypts are through a narrow door. I suppose, yeah. Like, how physically would Silverwing lay an egg in the Winterfell crypts? Yeah, true. Well, what if she laid it elsewhere and um, the, the Lord of Winterfell at the time, whose name escapes me, um, just like, oh, I have no idea where to put this. <laughs> what, what if it just <laughs> accidentally... Just put it in storage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, what is a Stark going to do with a dragon egg? Yeah, yeah. I mean, paperweight. Do, do you think Alysanne and Silverwing gave an egg to the Starks as a way of like, hey, compensating so, for the land they took and gave to the Night's Watch? It seems like a good deal. Yeah. And it's also like, hey, when the White Walkers attack, you'll have a dragon to defend mm. you. And also, you'll be able to rub it in the Lannisters' faces that you got a dragon from us. <laughs> yeah, the Lannisters tried so hard for so many years <laughs> to get an egg, and we'll just give you one to the Starks. I mean, one of the sort of things that interests me is like, and again, spoiler zone, like dragons not having dragons that don't have riders, they can do stuff. They oh, can yeah. fight in wars. But like based on what happens in the dance and at Tumbleton, it sounds like dragons that aren't being actively controlled by riders are just like a bit chaotic and might attack the wrong people. Yeah. So I don't know. It just like what what is the variable of like a wild dragon and even a controlled dragon can't be controlled totally yeah, we saw that in the season finale like vegar and arax i don't know it's just like there's so many unclaimed dragons lying around can i use that as a segue to talk about reina go for it so reina in the books um is the well bonded person to the newborn dragon morning who is one of the last dragons to ever hatch um, and this is like during the dance morning hatches and, uh, n never gets big enough during the war for Raina to ride. Um, in episode six of House of the Dragon, Lena talks to Raina about, you know, it's not so bad that your egg hasn't hatched. Don't worry. You're still a beautiful child and I love you. And your dad's just kind of a dick. So don't <laughs> worry about him not paying attention to you. And she says, you know, not all of them hatch. She goes on to talk about how she had to claim Vagar for herself. She went out yeah. of the way. She she wasn't given a dragon egg that hatched. And I think that that might be the show setting up that a, a bit of a deviation from the book. And that Reyna will end up claiming one of the unclaimed dragons. Which dragon could she claim? Well, so... <clears throat> all of the... Um, Drag riderless dragons that get riders are like we do know who rides them, but some of them are like very much non characters, like Ulf the White. Yeah, um, 
Adam and Alan, obviously, are well-fleshed-out characters. We'll talk about Adam soon, I hope. Yeah. Um, and that's Vermifor and Sea Smoke? Silverwing, I thought. Who rides Sea Smoke? Is that Ulf or one of the, um, the other fuckers? <laughs> uh, let me check. Yeah, you're right. It is Vermithor and Silverwing. Yeah, because they're, they're the a pair. pair. Yeah, Adam rode Sea Smoke. Unless Adam is Lena. Yeah, which we'll get to. <laughs> um, that's so interesting. I just thought it could be something. I, I think that it would make sense to give Raina more of a role because Baylor and yeah, Raina don't do they're shit. They're very small in, in the war. The books. They're very so. cool after the war. Yeah. Um, but I think the show probably won't go very far after the war, so it'd be cool for them to give Raina something to do during it. Yeah, Baylor and Raina already felt kind of um, not relevant. Yeah, they're the just there because they exist. Like, they were even added to, like, the fight between Amond and Jace and yeah, Luke. Yeah, that's just Rhaenyra's kids in the book. Yeah. So, they are they are already changing the story to give Baylor and Raina more to do. So, maybe, yeah. I, yeah. I think that's a good theory. What if, like Lena, like Lena claiming the biggest, most powerful, fearsome dragon on the wor- in the world, Vega, Raina claims the cannibal? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That that would be like law heresy. Like I don't think Ryan would do that. Yeah, no. Because the cannibal is the nastiest, most. Oh, murderous. but it would be so much fun. It would be pretty cool. But w- have you seen the theory that Coley sprode cannibal? What? <laughs> because at his funeral, the can the cannibal like um flies, you know, as if in salute to Coley's. Gladys, I think it's much more sensible. And that's why no one else could claim him, is because Corlys already had a bond with him. I think it's much simpler that <laughs> Corlys Harwin skin changed into Cannibal <laughs> at his death. <laughs> Obviously. That's Harwin in there. That's Harwin. Still breaking bones. So, I don't know. I think it'd be cool if they... I mean, I think it's fine if they don't do that with Raina and just find something else for her to do in the show. Yeah. If, yeah. If we, like, replace... I just thought it'd be, you know, worth mentioning that it's a possibility. Yeah. Not the cannibal. I don't actually think that. But they might shuffle the dragon riding around a little bit. Which dragon could they ride? Would would it be um heresy if I looked at a at an old shift X video to what see the, the dragon f- chart? <laughs> <laughs> You don't have a dragon's chart with you? I I don't I, I'm not organized like old shift X is. <laughs> Like, don't tell Old Shift X that I'm doing this, but I want to actually pull up... Oh my god, up... this is such, like, big dirt on you if he finds out. Yeah, I would be mortified if Old Shift X finds out that I'm doing this, but I want to pull up... I don't think he watches our live streams, so... Yeah, I, I bet he doesn't. Yeah. Um, He's never wanted to associate with me at all, so... Yeah, that's that's very rude. Um, Alright, so if I just grab that, and then we'll have a dragon shot. So that's uh, old Shift X's dragon chart. Don't tell him I said this. <laughs> um, yeah. So I-, I like the theory. So this is another theory that like Lenor Valarion, you know, they changed the books to make him come back. Um, in they they changed the books to make Lenor survive and leave yeah. in the show. When in the books, it seems like Lenor is dead. And there's a character called Adam Valarion who is, like, supposedly Lenor's bastard son. But probably Corlys. But probably Corlys's bastard son. Um, and so some people theorize that maybe in Hot D, Adam Valarion will just be Lenor returning. Wearing a mustache. That's the thing. Like, everyone would recognize him. Yeah. 
But, I mean, he did shave his hair. Maybe he can dye it and change his face a bit in some way. I don't know. Go to the faceless men, learn how to glamour. But maybe, like, in a similar way that, like, a lot of people thought that Adam was obviously Corliss's son, not Lenor's son. Like, maybe in the same way, everyone could just choose to go with Corliss and pretend to believe that Adam is a new guy. Yeah. Instead of, is Lenor? He's just a new guy. He's just a new guy. Like, Robert Strong. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, Vermithor, spoilers. I think it'd be quite, quite tragic if they're hunting for new dragon riders, someone manages to claim sea smoke, and Rhaenyra and Daemon realise that means that Lenor's dead. Ooh. I like that a lot. That's a great alternative. What if Raina claims sea smoke, and uh, Adam rides someone else? And she, no. like, unknowingly oh no is showing her no. uncle to be dead oh no why did i say this wow that <laughs> that's would so be tragic that would be really moving and tragic but the tricky part of that is that it relies on viewers understanding a kind of complicated bit of dragon law i guess daemon and rainier would have to have a conversation saying yeah like, i think that they can make it clear that um you can't claim a dragon that has a rider still alive yeah god that would be sad sorry yeah, no, I could, yeah, I think that kind of makes sense. Raina taking sea smoke and Adam Valarian, I really like Adam's like when he dies in the book. Like one of my favorite moments is um, loyal, loyal. Oh, it's, that that moves grown men to tears. Obviously, obviously. Um, <clears throat> sorry, I've got a bastard in my throat. Um, I heard there's a bug going around. Not a bug, a bastard. A, a bastard bug. Yeah. One of Helena's bugs <laughs> made it out. Um, yeah, no, I thought, think that'd be really cool. Yeah. Cool. I think so, too. Um, we haven't talked about the air for a day thing. <laughs> I, I feel like we talked about the air for a day thing in... Like a week ago or so. Yeah. Do, do, do you want to rank... Um... Right, we talked about a lot of things there, didn't we? <laughs> well, yeah, we sort of did a we sort of did a speed round. We keep threatening to do a speed a, round. Honestly, Masaria told Otto every day. At least I think so. Um, it makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, not good enough to be S, obviously. Because Masaria also leaked Daemon hooking up with Rhaenyra yeah. to Otto, and Otto says that Masaria has a history of being a reliable informant. Um, so yeah, I think it makes sense that she would also undermine Daemon. By telling Otto about the air for a day comment. Yeah. Um, so, so what were we just talking about? About fucking um, Raina claims, claims sea, smoke. sea smoke. And all the subtext is just... Lainor. Not Melor. Melor. Lainor dead. Yeah. Crying face. Because I've been thinking about, like, him coming back, right? And wouldn't that be a triumphant moment... You know, hey kids, <laughs> well, kid, um, <laughs> and they have to work around Lane or not being recognizable by anyone else. Like if, you know, Rainey's Callies is still alive um, and that'd be a big problem for Rhaenyra. What if he just doesn't? What if he's dead? Yeah, look, I don't think it's likely that Lano's coming back. Um, like, I think they- I think it's way cooler if he actually did just make it out and he- didn't have to deal with the rest yeah, of his wife's it, bullshit. It would completely <laughs> go against, like, the meaning of Lenor escaping if he comes back to participate in a war. Yeah, like, yeah. if he comes back to live some other kind- like, contribute in some other way or, like, just, you know, be happy. But I don't see happy. that happening either. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I think that Lenor being away, the whole point is that that is the best thing for him. That is what he wants. He chooses to not participate in a horrible war. Yeah. And you got to respect that. So, I was thinking about that. And, like, if he doesn't come back, how are we going to deal with the sea smoke problem? And so, I thought of this, you know, someone claims sea yeah. smoke and that's how we find out Lenor's dead. Yeah. And then I just made it Rainer and now it's a heartbreaking moment. Now you've made everyone sad. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> I'm actually not. That's that's really cool. I don't know if they would do that, but um, Ryan, if you're watching, you can use that. Ryan, uh, if <laughs> Ryan, if you've made it three hours into this live stream, <laughs> first of all, thanks for listening. Yeah. Big fan. Um, Could you spare some in the super chats? <laughs> uh, thanks for the super chat from. Matt loves stuff. Who says was King Viserys actually a dragon dreamer, or was his obsession clouding his judgment? His obsession absolutely was clouding his judgment. Uh, both. Yeah, and that's what makes dragon dreaming dangerous. Do you think there ever was a dragon dreamer who just really wanted to be a dragon dreamer, so just convinced themselves that they had magic dreams when they were just regular? Arian. Oh, Arian that's a good flame. take. That's yeah. a fantastic take. <laughs> yeah, because Ar- Arian in the Hedge Knight prequel novella is just this loose unit who's basically a total dickweed um and he's just a loose cannon and um he reckons he's top targaryen shit and he's the best but he's um has no substance to him now i just said that like off the top of my head i actually think that arian really was plagued by his nightmares and dreams of prophecies i don't arian. think does it say that why else would he convince himself to drink wildfire Oh, yeah. Well, that was later after the Hedge Knight, eh? Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. He definitely was dreaming. I, I mean, some I people- some dreamers would be less coherent than others, I guess. Doesn't Eamon say that all of his brothers were dreamers, or am I making that yeah, up? Yeah, he does say that. Yeah. And the dreams killed them, everyone. Yes. So, Arian was a dreamer, and it drove him to death. Eamon tells us as much. Who was the least dreamy Targaryen? <laughs> Who was um, Jaehaerys' nerdy son again? With um, Vagon, Maester Vagon. Vagon, maybe he never dreamed. Maybe he did. What? What? He had a dream about books and decided to become a maester. <laughs> maybe he just ignored his dreams. How can you do that? I don't know. But the other, only other Targaryen we know of who became a maester was one hell of a dreamer. That's true. Yeah, and and it's still bloody mysterious. How Amon decided to become double, doubly chained to the Citadel yeah. and to the Night's Watch. We still don't know exactly I why. really love it, though, as a like representation of um, abandoning uh, love for duty. It's, it's, in t- it's exactly what his character is. And yet it didn't really fucking work out very well no. in, when Summerhall happened. No. Imagine how... Imagine living through that. Oh, uh, yeah. Imagine how Amon felt. When he found out about Summer Hall. You'd such, be fucking mad at Egg for being a dickhead. Such a tragic life. My god. Thanks for the super chat from Nikolai, who says that the White Heart is obviously a horse. Look <sighs> what I just you've leave? Done. Look what you've done. <laughs> uh, we already talked about Amon being the father of Helena's children. Thanks for the super chat from PPP, who says loving the regular Swift and Gliders content. I don't know if it's regular, it's just happening more at the moment. <laughs> it's a generous use of the word regular, but yeah. I'll take it. 
Thanks for the super chat from Radnage, who says that in the past, Swift has said he hopes that the conflict, the conquest, Aegon's conquest, was purely political. Compromise. Aegon genuinely believed his dream because it justified what he already wanted to do. Yes. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, like, all of the Targaryen dreamers have a combination of, like, genuine magical insight plus... Their actual personal ambitions. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's all, yeah, it's always both. I, I agree. Um, Raphael says that your streams have contributed to the collective psychosis of the A Song of Ice and Fire community more than the wind's weight. <laughs> now say that Jason Lannister is a faceless man. No, nah, he's Thailand. Yeah, Jason, Jason is Thailand, but Thailand is a faceless man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Eric says, you guys make my day job way less soul crushing. That is so lovely to hear. Thank Thanks you for the super chat. That. Um, have we ranked all the theories that we are on a rank? Um, well, we can talk about... Oh, we did talk about that very briefly, didn't we? I, I think that... Um, and you, you go on about it a lot. <laughs> yeah, honestly, yeah. I think we have talked enough about Targaryens yeah. having sex with dragons. Um, um, there were some spoiler zone theories in the Google Doc that um, you didn't want to put on there because there were spoiler zone E. Yeah, um... Uh, well, why don't you... Um, you want me to read some super chats while you try to lo- locate that? Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> Are you Googling Google Docs? Um, we got one from uh, Ulster Sinclair, I believe that says. On the Song of Ice and Fire sub, I've seen a bunch of people saying lately that John won't need to be resurrected because he just won't die from his wounds. He just won't die. This seems stupid, but what do you two think? Could it be? What do you think? Do you think that's stupid? Yeah, let's take out the resurrection. Let's just say you got a stub toe. He had a band-aid. Now he's fine. <laughs> I actually talk about this in my season six videos. I'm like, well, what would have happened if John didn't die? Um, but this is in the lens of like talking about why the season six arc for Jon Snow is fucking awful. Um, mm. <clears throat> I think that making Jon not die is, is really dumb. That's a hot take. I, I think it's the most tepid thing I've said all stream. <laughs> George has a, said a, a lot. Tepid, of, lukewarm take. George, George has talked repeatedly in interviews about how like cool and interesting resurrection is as a way of changing a character, and he's done it two times already. I, I, well, I, more than two because um, Beric and Catelyn aren't the only resurrections he's done. Daenerys got resurrected in the pyre. Are you saying that Daenerys has been a zombie ever since book one? Yeah. Monstrous. <laughs> you know, uh, resurrection symbol. Name it. Um. Um. Spot. Spicy snake. <laughs> Thanks for the super chat from Cordis, who says, "I usually try to contribute some insane theory, but I haven't read Fire and Blood, so why not? If Starks have wolf powers." And Targs have dragon powers. Can Tully's warg fishes? I mean, the um, Lonely Light, Ironborn. Oh, God. Uh, the, the Far Winds. The Far Winds can warg um, sea creatures, apparently, in the yeah. books. And um, Cersei has a strange experience with a lion. So, so why not? Uh, yeah, yeah, wait. It's, there is a passage in the books that describe Jamie and Cersei going down into the bowels of Castle Rock and 
to irritate a caged lion. Mm. Are you saying that Cersei warged the lion? Of course. What was she trying to bite? Why off? else would they have those animals as their sigils unless they had an intrinsic relationship with? They them? have lions for warging practice, and Tyrells can warg fucking roses. And Cersei was going to skin change into the lion to bite off her brother's hand. To kickstart his arc a bit faster. Because Cersei had a dream, yeah. like Jamie had the weird Blood dream. Blood Raven sent her a dream. Quaith sent her a dream, but made it feel like it was from Blood Raven. And then Bran walked into the... J- Thanks for the super chat from <laughs> Cordis Stye. <laughs> oh, wait, that's, a, that's the one you just read out. Tatterifics says that Crabfeeder and Daemon fighting in the cave is just like Arya and the Waif fighting in the dark room. No, 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 There are some similarities though, aren't there? La 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 la. Lachlan says that Lainor becomes the new Crabfeeder in Essos. Lainor did say that he wanted to go and fight in the Do a stupid war. So. I think that's perfectly logical. Yeah. And it makes sense that he would die. And like, you know, spoilers, but like the triarchy, the crab feeders people, the triarchy do continue to be um, a significant yep. force in the story. So wouldn't it be hilarious if Recalio Rindoon turns out to be <laughs> Lena Valerian? It's such a fun name to say. He's such a fun character. He is fun. The cross-dressing giant. I'm sure there will be no outraged think pieces about him. <laughs> Thanks for the super chat from Lachlan, who says, I think Glidus is my long lost dad. I think you need to get lost again. We've both got um, <laughs> long lost children in the chats. Thanks for the super chat from Kara, who says, rate this theory. Marwin and Miri did the dirty. Um, 100%. Canon. Okay. Thanks for the super chat from Shub Shrib. <laughs> Did I get that right? <laughs> yeah, I think that's what it says. Maybe it's Shub's boob. I feel like my first attempt was yeah. better. Thanks for the super chat from Philippe Brito, who says, cheers from Brazil. Thanks, Saar, who says, every conflict, in- every death and conflict in the Dance of the Dragons will be an accident or misunderstanding. I sure hope not. I, I think that's a really good um, criticism of House of the Dragons so far. Yeah. Because what what this show has done is that it's taken the book... And the book is, you know, ambiguous about a lot of stuff. It just sort of has, says, ah, this is what happened, but we don't know exactly how. The, the show has taken that and made it, like, even more ambiguous and accidental because they made Amond killing Luke into uh, an accident. The dragons did it. I think that's ambiguous. I think it's, like, quite straightforwardly an accident. It makes it um, a bit muddier in terms of, uh, like, the moral value of actions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Alicent is now in the show, apparently driven by sincerely believing that Viserys wanted her son Aegon to be king. That's a misunderstanding. Yeah. Um, th- th- there's so much, like, accident and chance in the Hot D show, which I think takes away some of the agency and moral weight of the decisions made by the characters, right? I think Alicent choosing to believe what Viserys changed his mind to on his deathbed after committing to the same thing for 20 years. I I think that is a choice on her behalf. It's a choice informed by misunderstanding, but it's still a choice. But it's based on prophecy flimflam, which like, as as one of, as a foremost purveyor of prophecy flimflam, it pains me to say this, but we don't want too much prophecy as motivation 
instead of like human relatable feelings yeah. as motivation, you know? Well, she's motivated to accept it because of her feelings. Yeah, so take the prophecy out of it and just admit that it's her feelings. Well, then how would the misunderstanding... Yeah, I can see the criticism. They've just added a lot of accident and misunderstanding. I think that's going to go away. I think it's going to be a lot more straightforward. I want to fucking kill you, so I will going forward. Yeah, I, I hope they lean into that because like people have got to be ready for a pretty drastic shift. Yeah. <laughs> like... House of the Dragon season one is over a long period of time. It's getting to know the characters. They keep getting recast. There's a lot of slow boil tension. Whereas the next few seasons, no spoilers, <laughs> is going to be very violent and bloody. And it's going to be all fighting all the time. And like this, I mean, there, I mean, there's going to be quiet moments in between, but it's not going to be as ambiguous anymore, oh, no. I hope. I I really don't see how they could turn some of the things that happen into oh oh no I misunderstood what what was going on here. Yeah, I hope when, they when Damon jumps onto a different dragon to kill his nephew. Yeah. <laughs> I really hope they don't try to complicate it more than it needs to be complicated. Like I I love how complicated season 1 is mm. and I hope they don't overcomplicate yeah, the no, later I, it. Yeah, it, no, it's a good basis. And now we can be a bit more straightforward um, down the line. And another cliche for describing uh, something making instant sense. The first one is is slow. The, the, se- the next few seasons are like a football game. Yeah. With lots more <laughs> Pick depth. Pick your teams. You already have. <laughs> Everyone's picked a team. Uh, I-, I think we're just lightning through the last of the Super Chats and wrap up the live stream. Do you want to do that? Yeah, sure. Um, thanks for the super chat from Agreeable Witch, who says, I'm glad someone remembered the wizard messenger tortoises. Look, I think <laughs> that those phantom tortoises in the They're Warlock's Way up. are going to be critically significant in the Winds of Winter. Thanks for the super chat from John, who says, both of y'all have a drink on me. Thanks for the content. Thank you. Thanks, John. Uh, Alt Swift Rivers, my alleged bastard son, says, you told mother you would visit her. That... It's independent fact checkers have verified this to be false. You'll understand when you're older. Thanks for the super <laughs> chat from King Dance Killer, aka Dingus McBingus. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> he says, I was at my company's holiday dinner when Schwift's call to arms came up. All of my co-workers thought I was dealing with something very serious on my phone as my drunk brain came up with Viseraception. You mean Viscera Similitude? Was that you, Dingus McBingus? No, I don't think it was. Um, can you put me on the phone with your boss? <laughs> Thanks for the super chat from Cetor, who says, currently working on my own upcoming video, a biography of Rudolf the First Habsburg, which is like what you do, but real and with less magic and sex. Well, go and subscribe to Cetor. Yeah, sounds interesting. Thanks for the super chat from Zaverna, who says, there's a crazy witch coming up. I wonder which house she went off to. Alice Rivers. Do you have any hot Alice Rivers takes? Um, not really. What, what, what do you want from me? Um, are they going to cast Elizabeth Olsen? Uh, he, he, I've got an Alice Rivers take. Um, so, spoilers, Alice Rivers is a mysterious witchy old lady who Amon hooks up with at Harrenhal. He's got a thing for milfs. He has a thing for milfs, which is, of course, the plural of, of milf. Um, Tolkien would <laughs> definitely take that stance. Because in episode nine, Amond visited the brothel and spoke to the madam, who was an older woman, mm. 
and they seem to have some kind of connection. And of there. course, Vega herself is the ultimate. <laughs> Vega is an old lady who Amon writes. Yeah. So confirmed. Um, Amon has a lot of intimate relationships with older females. So Alice might be part of that pattern. Oh, absolutely. Nicholas says, any ideas on what happens to Damon's body? Uh, he ran away and became cold hands. Yeah. No, we did decide that, didn't we? Oh, we should talk about Damon as the Night King. Can we please? Gladys, I would be honoured if you would tell me why Damon is the Night King. So, a couple years ago, was it last year's April Fool's? I think it was. I made a seminal video. like Seminal. Yeah. Full of semen. <laughs> <laughs> We're definitely wrapping up this <laughs> Um About what? how Rhaegar Targaryen faked his death and became the Night King mm. in Game of Thrones. And there was the whole father-son Darth Vader Luke Skywalker thing going on. The with rule of Sith Snow. comes up a lot with you. Right? George is really into George's work. Da- yeah, George Martin is George's Lucas. biggest fan. We are big fans of George. George is an even bigger fan. Of George. Of George. Yeah. Um, so, yes, Daemon Targaryen being the Night King. This theory has popped up quite a bit in um, the months since House of the Dragon started airing. Um, and it's in, like, direct opposition to my flagship theory that I became what? Uh, world famous for. Um, award-winning video. Mm. Um that has taken the fandom it got, by it, storm. It won a Tubi. According to my IMDb page, 99% of the fandom believes this theory. And the other 1% are just wrong. Yeah. And then this comes up and everyone starts publishing articles about the resemblance between that. Can you see the resemblance? They look exactly the same. They, they both have eyes and a nose. And ears. Heads. Shoulders, <laughs> knees and toes. Um, so this is, I love this theory because it's, uh, so with the Rhaegar thing, I was trying to make the stupidest possible theory. Mm. I was trying, I was satirizing the community Mm. and then they come along and they upstage me by being even stupider. And that's kind of outrageous and like, but I have to hand it to them. (laughs) Yeah. No, no, you can try and think of the dumbest thing possible and some clickbait article We'll come up with something dumber, you know? This is really incredible. Um, there's absolutely nothing behind it. Well, S-tier? S-tier. S-tier. Would you care to read some Super Chats? Super Chat from Nicholas. Any ideas on what happens to Damon's body? We just talked about that, but should we talk about that seriously? I, I like the idea found. that in the final battle between... Spoilers, 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 spoilers. The final battle between Damon and Amond. Uh, in which they um, kill each other and die. Um, what if Daemon was actually just burnt beyond recognition, landed in the God's Eye Lake unharmed, and went north and became Cold Hands, the mysterious masked man in the books? Do you like that? I enjoy it. Um, I love Cold Hands theories. They're a lot of fun. And uh, you think he wraps his face up in those scarves... To hide his horrific dragon fire burns. Yes. I've also heard a similar theory that um, Daemon is... Sorry, that Coltans is egg after Summerhall. Ah, haven't heard that one. Because he was also hideously burned. I like the theory that Coltans is the Night's King. Yeah, I enjoy that too. Hmm. 
I hope they're all true. Yeah, I hope he's all of them. Um, what else could have happened to Damon's body? Um, he could be dead. What? At the bottom of the god's eye. No. Because bodies sink sometimes, especially when they're wearing armor. Because they found Amon's body, but not Damon's body, right? Yeah, that's, they... that's a little weird. Why is he more buoyant? <laughs> is it the Milves? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's something in their diet. <laughs> Do we ever see Damon eat? Yes, in Pentos, in episode six. Um, when he's having a feast. Holy shit, you're the... good. Everyone go and subscribe <laughs> to Glidus. Glidus instantly knew which episode Matt Smith eats in. And that's why you need to go and subscribe to Glidus for his upcoming videos. Glidus is coming up to 100,000 subscribers. Oh, stop. He's going to get a plaque from Susan. A plate. A plate. I heard that Glidus is going to eat the winds of winter off that plate. That's true. So, I think the sooner we get Glidus <laughs> to 100,000 subscribers, the sooner we will get to get him to eat a book off it. So, um, so, so please go and oh, do that. Um, I said this to you earlier, but publicly, congratulations on your own 100,000. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, I think I hit that milestone uh, mere moments before you will. And uh, I'm very grateful to all of the Schwiftos who are supporting the channel. I wonder what our crossover is. How, like, if you took all the people who aren't subscribed to either of us, how many, both of us, you know, if you did the Venn diagram, what would it... Yeah, I, 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 my intuition is that the Venn diagram is nearly a circle. Yeah, it's like a circle that has a little bulge on either side. Yeah. I mean, I feel like... Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's got to be very similar. Yeah. Um, another super chat. Nettles, daughter or lover... What do you think about Nettles and her relationship with Damon? Oh, he's suggesting that Nettles is actually Damon's daughter. Isn't that mentioned in the book? Doesn't Mushroom say that or something? No, Mushroom would definitely say, no, 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 no they fucked. Um, <clears throat> I can't remember, but I think there's a there's someone who says it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Nettles is a character who... Um, spoilers! There he is, eating! <laughs> Twice! <laughs> Well, I don't see him swallowing anything. He's just holding yeah, a fork. True. Just because you're holding a fork doesn't prove you ate. <laughs> um, yeah, well, Damon frequents the Street of Silk. He may have had a child with mm -hmm. a sex worker who could have been Nettles. Um, although Damon also seems to have some reproductive quirks, shall we say. Right, Gotten Rhaenyra pregnant at least three times, and Lena at least three times. Yes, but prior to that time, in the time that Nettles must have been conceived, we saw Daemon being weird about sex with mm. Rhaenyra and with and Rhea with Royce. Misario. And with Missaria. And with Missaria. So, I don't know. That's an argument against. Yeah. Um, I think it would be sweet if it was like... Damon had a wholesome relationship, but I think that unfortunately Damon is horrible, and the yeah. reason why he, um, I think the reason why Damon hooks up with Nettles is because he gets he loses his love for Rhaenyra because he can't control Rhaenyra, and I think Damon inflicts his will on Nettles because Nettles is younger and less powerful and easier to control, and also because Nettles is like a badass dragon rider. Yeah, and so Damon, she probably reminds him of his favorite person. Viserys. Himself. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, or, or even like young Rhaenyra. Like what yeah. what Daemon liked about young Rhaenyra was that she was a young Valyrian yeah. dragon rider who was inferior to himself, and he could control her. Yes, and Nettles is the same. Yeah. Um, in regards to the question, daughter or lover, I've seen some people suggest both, and let's just not do that, please. Oh, boy. Um, oh, boy. Yeah. There's enough incest. I would really like it if it were a wholesome relationship, because some people have talked about Damon like, mellowing up uh, during the war, which kind of doesn't make sense with there being a war on, but, um... Like, he does do something that you could characterize as heroic... <laughs> Um, at the very end, but I don't know. I, I, I don't think he's capable of a wholesome relationship. Yeah. I tend to think that Daemon will be, will continue to be awful. I mean, I, I, I like in the book, like some of the descriptions of Daemon as like an old man and an old knight. Like mm. he's like 50 in yeah. the books. Yeah. He's 50 when he dies. Yeah. So like, I, I kind of like, maybe there's some room for him to get a little bit wiser or a little bit more mellow, but like, I, I think that his death is about, you know. He dies as he lived, as a violent, destructive, self-destructive yeah. individual. Um, Who loved doing badass shit. Yeah. He just wanted to look cool. He it, wanted people to think that he's cool. And that's it was what- less about getting rid of, rid of Aemond and more about jumping from one dragon to another and killing someone in the same stroke. Because that's the coolest thing you could possibly do. Yeah. And he just thought, yep, yeah, that's it. That's how we're going out. <laughs> yep. That's how we're doing this. Uh, do you think they'll do some sort of like ambiguity thing because like because like even in the book no one saw daemon jump from his dragon onto aemon's dragon oh please don't take that away from me i mean yeah it it would be heresy if they didn't include that but like there is an opportunity for more ambiguous unreliable narrator shit if that's what they want to do in that moment i'm i'm never speaking to ryan condal again if he does that yeah, I'm going to stop recalling, stop returning Ryan's calls. Yeah, I'm going to stop showing up to Poker Night. Thanks for the super chat from Jester, who says, Weekend at Layton's. He's been dead for years. <laughs> Thank you, Ethar, who says, Do you think Hot D will mention Blackfires somehow? Well, House of the Dragon as a brand may continue, like, in further installments past the Dance of the Dragons. So I think there's, you know, very high chance that they could get to the Blackfires. But I don't think that uh, this period of House of the Dragon will talk about the Blackfires because they don't exist yet and won't for another 50 years. Yeah, it's, yeah, what he said. <laughs> Thanks for the super chat from Tsuki Akari. He says, instead of Bloodraven trying to kill Rhaenyra, he should be trying to wipe out that time-traveling Blackfire supporter. What time-traveling Blackfire supporter? Um... I think sometimes people make a comment in reference to something we were talking about an hour ago. Oh, yeah. Um, so now we are time traveling to try and remember oh. what we were talking about there. Oh. Yeah, I've got no idea. <laughs> Thanks for the super chat from Gothica, who enjoys waking up to us too. Okay. Well, I hope you have other sources of enjoyment because we don't do this very often. But we appreciate your listening. Oh, for sure. Thanks for the super chat from Lanky Edgelord. Who says, love the streams. Do you guys have a favorite coat of arms in Westeros? Mine is House Marbrand. I really like House Toland. The dragon eating itself? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Never go past an Ouroboros. Yeah. Uh, well, Keltegar with the crabs oh, is yeah. hard to walk past. <clears throat> and there's like a whole line of them. <laughs> whole army of crabs. I think the umbers with their giant is just funny. That's, yeah. 
I, I think the way that it's rendered, like the way that it looks in the show, like in the show, they gave it this cool, like abstract chains. Yeah. Thing And I think they did that because it's really hard to draw a giant as a sigil without it looking goofy. Yes, yeah, super goofy. In the world of Ice and Fire, it looks really goofy, the Omba sigil. And uh, which one's Marbrand? Is that the- um, It's like a burning bush tree? or something, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Bit, bit biblical. Yeah. Thanks for the super chat from John, who says, Maybe that's why Jace married Sarah Snow and forsake his betrothal, because he thought his would be the Song of Ice and Fire. I think that's entirely believable if he were to do something like that, which it is said he may have done in the book. Yeah, so for those who don't know, spoilers, um, when Jaceris goes to Winterfell, the books say that he may be allegedly, maybe, maybe hooked up with someone called Sarah Snow. Even he's already uh, betrothed to Bela, and he seems to like Bela in the show. Yeah. Um, so it would be kind of weird if this sort of, like, dutiful, um, engaged young man hooked up with this northern girl i mean you know you maybe just it's... said john snow's story in, <laughs> in the second book yeah yeah it, it would be very georgian to do this yeah i mean um, john wasn't engaged but he is um committed to not doing sex to other people well they didn't say those exact words oh in shut the up Earth. sam um <laughs> so do you think jace could be a dragon dreamer fucking everyone else is why not <laughs> And he thought that his uh, half Targaryen, half Northern kid would be... It's just like Rhaegar and Lyanna. It's exactly like Rhaegar. Thanks for the super chat from Saverna, who says, What if all the prophecies are just genetic memory, and some things happen on a cycle, but other things happened one-off, and they are super wrong? I mean... Okay, so you're saying that... <laughs> you're saying that people aren't having prophetic dreams of something that's gonna happen... They're having a genetic memory of something that happened in the past and may just coincidentally happen again because, like the Tolans say, time is a flat circle. So, okay. Sure. I mean- Yeah, what if that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're sort, of, you're sort of saying the same thing, but with more steps, aren't you? Like, if time repeats itself and you can see the past, then you're also seeing the future. And to go forwards, I must go back. So- Ah, yeah, I'm just free associating. <laughs> well, that's what we do here. Thanks for the super chat from Whiskey, who says Bobby B is uh, Pounce. S tier. Thanks for the super chat from Volatures, who says Harwin walked into the horse that saved Arya. F tier. Thanks for the super chat from Inquisitor Thomas, who says Reyna is going to go north of the wall to learn necromancy from fan favorite character The Night King and will ride Skeleton Balerion. Can you make a new tier above S? Yeah, well, it's it's uh, it's there. <laughs> S plus. Thanks for the super chat from the from XXXXXC who says the locusts weren't poisoned, they had gone off. <laughs> Belwas just his constitution wasn't up to it. <laughs> so in book five, someone tries to poison Daenerys with some honeyed locusts. And so she doesn't eat them, but Belwas does, and he almost fucking dies. And XXXXXC says that they just went off. <laughs> it's probably hard to store honeyed locusts. Um, Kasim says, Vagon the Dragonless started the Maester Conspiracy. He was jealous that he didn't have a dragon, that I, they shipped him off to the Citadel. I honestly kind of love it. So he conspired to... I mean, he was involved in the council. It was his idea. Yeah. Oh my god. 
Well, yeah, that actually totally makes sense. Vagon just being complicit in the conspiracy because, make like, Viserys king instead of Rhaenys, or at least, like, well, Jaehaerys clearly wanted Viserys to be king, but I guess the council just gave that legitimacy. So that was like Vagon's idea to be like, hey, here's how you don't cause a war by doing this. In the show, it didn't look like Jaehaerys wanted Viserys. He looked so. So it ominous. Like he would have looked like that either way. That's just how he looked. I think that's just what the actor's face yeah. is. Um, yeah, no, I, I like that, Kaseem. I like Vagon being involved in the conspiracy. Uh, thanks for the super chat from Lucas, who says that Daemon kind of forgot to strap in his saddle. He doesn't need a seatbelt. Thanks for the super chat from Wonga, who says, No F theories, so let me give it a shot. <laughs> <laughs> Eating loose and his dragon was sexy for Vagor. Oh, did she get off on that? You think Vagar the lizard is sexually <laughs> attracted to eating. eating other lizards? She's into vor. Okay, yeah. Uh, oh, vor dragon is going in F tier. Congratulations, <laughs> Wongar and Glytus. Thanks for the super <laughs> chat from Mr. Vulture, who says, Glytus plays the piano while Swifty sings when? You don't want to hear me sing. It is interesting that you have a famously monotonous voice. Yeah, right. <laughs> what, what about this voice makes you want to hear singing? My God. Thanks for the super chat from Clusterfuck, who says... Oh, we saw that. What? Thanks for the super chat from... Did they send the same one twice? I think they Because we didn't get to it fast enough. I'm sorry if we missed anyone's super chats. I think we've got them all now. Yeah. Thanks for the super chat from Tom, who says that cannibal won't be used as only Jon Snow can claim cannibal because the cannibal is secretly Lightbringer. Why is the cannibal secretly Lightbringer? Because Tom just said so. Oh, okay, Tom. Um, the cannibal... I, like, do, what happened to the cannibal? Yeah, I don't even remember what happened to the cannibal in Fire and Blood. Is still around? Mm. I like the... I think we just don't hear about him anymore. Um... The cannibal, yeah, it's just around. Yeah, he just fucked off after Corlys died. So the cannibal just died of old age. Uh, well, we don't even know. He might still be alive. What if um, Drogon is the cannibal? What if... No, no. <laughs> what if the cannibal is on Skagos? You know, the island of cannibals. Yeah. I think, yeah, that is a theory, isn't it? I think that it's a very good theory. Yeah. And Rickon rides the cannibal. Because the Starks have Targaryen blood through Sarah Snow. <laughs> S-tier. <laughs> Thanks for the super chat from the Interesting Nerd Club, who says, I've always liked the idea that Nettles is Daemon's kid. I like the idea that in his age, he chilled out and wanted to spend time with family. Though given his actions in episode 10, that seems unlikely. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. If Daemon wants to spend time with his family, hang out with Bela and Reyna. Yeah, they seem cool. His daughters, who he ignores constantly. Like, bring Nettles to safety with them. Yeah. Um, Interesting Nerd Club is a YouTube channel that I have not yet had the time to check out. They seem cool. Check them out. Yeah. Thanks for the super chat from Hextech, who says, Do you think the show made Daemon so unambiguously bad for more emotional payoff when he does good things in later seasons? You say that they made him unambiguously bad, but a lot of people seem to think that he's a good fella. Yeah. Because Matt Smith's really hot. Yeah. It... it- <laughs> As someone who has said negative things about Daemon on the internet, if you if you say negative things about Daemon on the internet, will find you. A lot of very angry people will shout at you for hurting their darling Matt Smith. So, like, a lot of people still love Daemon. 
Yeah, so I I wouldn't be so uh, sure that they've made him unambiguously bad. I, they might have been trying to do that, but it doesn't come off that way. Um, I don't think they actually went out of their way to make him worse than he is in the book yeah, during this period. Pretty bad in the book. Yeah. I, look, I, but but I think that you're right, Hextech, that like Damon being a horrible person makes it more impactful when he does cool stuff like helping Viserys up the stairs. Like, oh, absolutely. The, that's m- m- maybe the emotional peak of the entire season. I, I'd say that that's probably the most... I think it's the best scene in Game of Thrones since season four. That's a big claim. Oh, I might I might have to think that claim through a bit more. I I, I liked I, I think part of why this scene was so powerful is because it really felt like a culmination of everything else that happened in the season. Um whereas I don't know, like some of the big scenes in Game of Thrones didn't feel like a culmination. They were just cool things that happened. They were just cool things that happened. Like, imagine in in the second half of Game of Thrones, is there ever a scene like this where a character just no. walks to a chair and it, and no. everyone fucking cries? <laughs> no, no, no. It, it, no. Obviously, no, there's a there's, big explosion. That's how you draw the viewers in. Obviously, there's nothing in the last four seasons that has anything on this That's scene. why I say it's, like, the most emotionally impactful scenes in season four. Yeah. But, but I think, like, I think what I'm trying to say is that it's all the more impactful because of the sort of tight, intimate yeah. focus of this season of TV. Whereas, you know, Game of Thrones is constantly jumping across kingdoms and characters and families. Like, it's so, it, it's so, like, scatterbrained comparatively that, I don't know, like, I think that House of the Dragon f- just feels more powerful as a result of its tight focus. Yeah, I suppose that is true. But as Game of Thrones started to roll itself up, like as more plots became entangled and in the same location, they had the opportunity to like make the same emotional impact out of spending that much more time with all the characters. Yeah. And they didn't. Yeah. In theory, the last couple of seasons of Game of Thrones could have had that like strength that House of the Dragon has, but um, didn't. Oh. Controversial take. Um, I think I like House of the Dragon more than I like Game of Thrones. As it stands, I think I do also. But, like, if you were to take, you know, people ask these arbitrary questions like, oh, season one of Game of Thrones or season one is... Well, that doesn't exist in isolation, does it? Yeah. But if it did, that'd be a very tough call. Probably season one of Game of Thrones is better. It's an incredible season of television, but House of the Dragon season one is very good. When I watch Game of Thrones season one, I sort of see the flaws and like the weird things that didn't quite. How long have you had to see those flaws, though? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess if I watched House of the Dragon season one a hundred more times, um, I'd see some. Although I have watched Game of Thrones season one a hundred times, I believe it. Yeah, (laughs) and um, I still love it. I like it's still one of my favorite things to do is watch Game of Thrones season one. That is awesome, (laughs) and that is why everyone should go and subscribe. No, to Gliders. Don't, don't have to. I recommend it. And most people already are. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, I, I'm <laughs> sending the same 100,000 people. Yeah. To, there's just like three people. Huh? There's like there's literally like a, the 100 people. people. just wandered in here off of recommended. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you missed the good bits. Um, I, I think we should wrap it up. Is there anything else on the spoiler zone that we didn't get to that we should? Well, all right, there is. There, there is, but I, I don't think you're going to like it. <laughs> <laughs> you're not going to like it. 
Would you like? No, no, we can sign off with this. Yeah, let's do it. Would you like to hear my theory of why Boros Baratheon skin changed <laughs> into Vega in the finale of House of the Dragon? I would love nothing more than okay. to hear that. So, you might be saying, but but Swifty, Boros is a Baratheon. Baratheons aren't No, no, skin I'm changes. there with you. He's got Targaryen blood. We're all around it. He's got Targaryen blood, but but he needs northern blood in order to skin change i guess and where's he gonna get that northern blood so that boros can take control of a dragon through skin changing so the forebears of house durandon i'll tell you house durandon have a castle called storm's end that was reputedly built by brandon the builder that's right brandon the builder brandon durandon Brandon Durandon, Brandon Durandon, Brandon Durandon. It's the uh, same. It's hold the door all over it's again. It's the same. Brandon the Builder Stark is actually the first Durandon. I thought it was just God's a reference grief. to the 1980s synth pop band Duran Duran. It was both. Oh, he's so layered. So the Durandons are actually secretly Starks. It's actually Bran time traveling. Oh. So time traveling Bran went back in time was specifically to build Storm's End and found House Durandon, which eventually became House Baratheon through Oros marrying Argella. Uh, and so Boros is secretly a skin changer and he uses his skin changing powers to walk into Vega to kill Luke and Arax. Why would he want to do that? Because the secret Durandon prophecy passed down from Bran Stark oh. is because you must make the Dance of the Dragons happen- so that the knife will get to Arius. <laughs> so that Dan and Dave will greenlight thrones. <laughs> so that Arya will kill the spicy king, and then Isaac Hempstead Wright will get an Emmy nomination. You all seen that tweet? Isaac Hempstead Wright sitting in front of a laptop. Playing World of Warcraft. <laughs> That's some of the funniest shit I've ever seen. <laughs> how, how many hours of, like, acting workshops and panels and and grueling shooting schedules? I don't, on, on, nah, it's kind of cool that I'd do it. Oh, yeah, for sure. Hey, hey, Blizzard, do you want me to do a tweet where I play World of Warcraft? Would you play an MMO set in Westeros? Yes. Well, it'd be bad, though. I don't- It would be bad. I have a theory that pretty much all Game of Thrones branded games mm. are shit. I think there's one or two that, like, are not terrible. Mm. And then the only good ones are made by fans. Mm. Like the um, Mountain Blade mod or the Crusader Kings mod. Yeah, there are two spectacular unofficial Game of Thrones mod mm. for games. Um, and there's a million terrible licensed games. Really awful. Yeah. If George Martin was someone who played video games, he might understand how horrifically his IP is being misused in those shitty... But like, there's, like, mobile microtransaction oh, so Game of Thrones games. Awful. It's so insulting yeah. as a use of the IP, you know? But but we were ending on a high note! Because <laughs> <laughs> Varus walked into Vega! I... I... It's all Brandon Stark's plan. I might believe it if you made a compelling video essay out of it. It's all Bran. Like the <laughs> cereal. Okay, we're going to wrap it up. They always say to end on a good one.
We ended on a on a possible one. Um, is there anything you'd like to to shout out or wrap up or say at the end? Um, shout out to I don't know John Gorton, the Prime Minister in the seventies. Shout out John Gordon. Thanks for running the country for a little bit. Good job. And we'll see you all <laughs> in the next one. Uh, like and subscribe to Old Shift X and Gladys. Oh you, oh, you can listen to this as a podcast. Did you know? We're, we'll I put can. This... I, I can. You can. Uh, it'll be on Spotify and, and podcast feed, your podcast app of choice. There'll be a link in the VOD. You can listen to this as a podcast. Wow.